Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's do this. Another day, another dollar, another edition of The Drive. You're listening to The Drive on Six Cent Sports Radio, SixCentSports.com, and the Odyssey app. My name is Carrington Harris. I'm excited to be here with you on this wonderful Wednesday. We got a lot to get into over the course of today's show. Bob Fesco is, is going to join us coming up in about 30 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the most recent announcements by the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get to that here coming up in a bit. Harold Kuntz is also going to join us on the show today. My guy from Fox 4, he was at the press conference earlier today. We'll get his thoughts on what you heard announced today by the Kansas City Chiefs. We have a lot to get into. Oddly enough, during one of the slow periods, there's a handful of like slow periods in this job. February after the Super Bowl is usually one of those slow periods. We got free agency about to start up in a couple of weeks. We got get, uh, preparation for the NCAA tournament. The Big 12 tournament opening day is going to be big this year because of the improvements that the Kansas City Royals have made to the roster. And there's real hope, optimism. There's a buzz around the Kansas City Royals this year. Oddly enough, on a Wednesday, Rob, there's actually a lot going on today and things to get to. Over the course of the next four hours, again, I appreciate you listening to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. We'll start to get to those things after this. Pizza time on The Drive. Carrington, dial me up right now, 913-586-7610. It's time to win a pizza from our friends over at Pizza Tasio, caller number six. Pizza Tasio is Kansas City's best New York-style pizza, and they've taken over the town. They got a new spot in Waldo, plus spots in OP, Lee Summit, Midtown, North KC, St. Joe, and Lawrence, plus a killer selection of local and craft beers and some unique wines. So whether you're in the mood for maybe a slice or two or you're hungry enough for a whole pie, be sure to visit them now 
at pizzatasio.com. That's pizza, T-A-S-C-I-O.com. I need you guys to do me a couple of favors. Number one, I need you listening to The Drive each day at 2 o'clock. Number two, I need you to tell one friend. You don't got to tell two friends, but tell one friend that if you want some of the best pizza in Kansas City and if you also want some of the best sports talk, then keep it right here on 610sports.com and also the Odyssey app. Earlier today, Clark Hunt, owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, he sat down, he met with the media, Mark Donovan, the business voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He also sat down with the media as the Chiefs began to unveil their plans to renovate Arrowhead. So you guys know the Royals are trying to get a completely brand new stadium. The Chiefs do not want a brand new stadium. They want to improve the one that they have. Here's Mark Donovan talking about the decision to renovate the stadium as a opposed to building a completely new one. You know, when you're in those stadiums and you're talking about, should we build a new stadium, should we renovate Arrowhead, it's very easy to get jealous. And the jealousy comes from, could we actually do this? Could we do it in a new building? Could we do it at Arrowhead? One of the things that has me most excited about this entire project is that you sit on that field level of Allegiant Stadium and you look at that amazing end zone suite that they have, and you say, wow, too bad we can't do that. We found a way to do that. And not only are we bringing the best of the newest buildings in the NFL, but we're putting it inside the iconic Arrowhead Stadium. So as Clark said, we're keeping the spirit of this building and everything that makes it special, but we're bringing the very best of the best into the building, and that has us excited about what the next chapter will be. That concept is 10 suites on each end zone, and it'll also add another 1,000-person club behind each end zone. So the number of people who will be impacted by this is significant. That was Mark Donovan, the business voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. One more cut that I want to play for you guys before we dive a little deeper into this topic. For some reason, the roof or the Chiefs putting a roof on the stadium has been a big sticking point with people. I'm not really sure why, and you guys know, I absolutely hate the cold. I don't want any part of it, but Arrowhead has never had a roof, so I'm surprised that people are so fixated on the possibility of Arrowhead now having a roof. Clark Hunt answered this earlier today, and they confirmed it. The new stadium will not have a roof. Well, as you know, that was something that uh, we studied very carefully uh, 20 years ago was part uh, of that planned renovation um, when it uh, did not pass and we weren't able to do it. uh, The design really went away from from the roof. Um, uh, We were uh, envisioning that roof specifically in conjunction uh, with the Super Bowl. Um, you know, certainly I'd like to think that Kansas City, you know, has the opportunity to bring a Super Bowl. But I also know uh, that uh, our football team likes playing in the elements. They like playing on a grass field. Um, we certainly think it's a competitive advantage for us. Well, let's at least be clear here before we begin this conversation. If you don't put a roof over Arrowhead Stadium, you don't have to worry about the possibility of getting a Super Bowl. You ain't getting one. <laughs> You're not getting one. 
I mean, I love my city. I imagine you love Kansas City as well. Let's be realistic here. They are not putting an outdoor football game in Kansas City, Missouri in the middle of February. That is not the plan here. So they are eliminating themselves from that conversation if they don't want to put a roof over it, but that's perfectly fine. They've hosted AFC Championship games. They have hosted Taylor Swift. They have hosted Beyonce. Morgan Wallen is coming. And they are hosting a World Cup. I think they will do just fine. This was my biggest takeaway from everything that we saw today. It's fine. I admit that I thought if you were going to give the Chiefs the entire Truman Sports Complex, I thought they were going to go with something that was going to completely blow our minds away. Think about it. The Chiefs are now going to have space that they have never had as an organization, not pre-Arrowhead, not with the most recent renovations and additions onto Arrowhead when they did those in the mid-2000s, not coming up in the next decade or so. They have never had the amount of room and real estate that they are going to have. They don't have a neighbor anymore. They are now about to take over all of the space that the that Kauffman Stadium operates. It's now theirs. Now, some of it is I have to see, like visually see it, but at least from looking at the renderings today and hearing them describe it, it didn't really blow me away in the way that I thought it would. Now, maybe I went into it with very high expectations, but I expected to be wowed today, and I wasn't really wowed by it. This is maybe the best analogy that I have between what the Royals are doing and what the Chiefs are doing. The Royals want a completely brand new phone. They want the newest phone on the market. What I thought we heard today from the Kansas City Chiefs was a software update. Now, it's a pretty good software update. You still love your phone. If you chose an iPhone, one of the reasons why you chose an iPhone is its operating system. I know that's the case, at least for me and a lot of other people that have Apple products is I like the operating system. This feels like Arrowhead 2.3. I thought we were maybe going to get a little bit bigger software update and a bigger patch than this. But I think some of the additions are really cool. You look at the suite and you could tell it was very influenced by what they have in Las Vegas, very influenced by SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium. I can see where the inspiration came from. They're going to try to do something a little better if you're on the top floor. They got to give the poor folks something because all of the other additions and renovations sounded like they were for the rich folk. When he talks about the suites and how cool it's going to be, a lot of you that attend these games are not sitting in suites. I'm not sitting in the suites at any of these games. A lot of the improvements that they are talking about sounded like they were the ones for the folks who got a lot of money, not for me and you. Again, some of the ideas that they had were really cool. I just thought they were, they were fine. I've been kind of keeping an eye on social media today, Rob, as I imagine you have as well. I don't see anybody that is blown away by the plan that the Kansas City Chiefs have with the stadium. And the thing that I will be critical on, at least in this conversation, and where I do think that we're being unfair to the Kansas City Royals, a lot of this conversation about the passing of this 3A cents tax has been called the John Sherman tax. Hold on, both sides are splitting this money equally. The Chiefs just told you that they have $800 million in renovations planned, and they plan on contributing $300 million to it. 
Take a guess who's paying for the rest. Just take a wild guess. I don't know if you'll like the answer. It's you. It's me. It's people that live in Jackson County who are paying the majority of this. I don't know why the Royals are taking so many arrows on this thing and the Chiefs are able to completely fly under the radar when the Chiefs are offering you, in some ways, a significantly worse deal than what the Royals are offering you. The Royals are committing at least a billion dollars to this project. The Chiefs are committing $300 million to this project. The Royals are a $1 billion organization. The Chiefs are probably a 3 to $4 billion organization. The Chiefs should be shouldering much more of the financial burden and load when it comes to this thing. But I would say they are doing financially what appears to be pretty close to the bare minimum on this thing. It's not even a pure 50-50. It is a, well, I mean, we got to put something to it. You know what I mean? We can't. We can't not put anything to this. So we're going to put a little bit of our money, but we're going to spend a lot of bit of your money when it comes to it. And they're going to spend a lot of your money on renovations that very few people listening are going to have access to or the ability to utilize. So all I'm saying in this is the Royals have stood at the foreground of this and have been on the front lines of this, and they have taken a lot of arrows And I am not here defending the way that the Royals have handled the last year, year and a half. And they have been very poor in communicating, too. This was the Chiefs' big reveal today. And their big reveal is we're going to kind of do a little bit more to the stadium. And we're going to throw a little bit of money at it. But a majority of the money that we plan on spending is going to be your money in the process. I think we're saying the same thing. But I walked away from those steam renovations that they put out today being like, oh, Cool. Like, I think the reaction that fans have is built up by the equity, equity winning on the field gets you. Because if you were just looking at the two plans, every part of the Royals plan, 100% of it, is more exciting than the Chiefs plan. They are moving into a new area. It's a cool area. They're going to have shops, restaurants, hotels around their ballpark. They're going to put a bunch of their own money. They are doing a lot of cool and fascinating things with new Royals park. The chiefs are, Hey, the rich people got some cool new stuff today, but overall it's the same. You know, the arrowhead you like, that's what you got. You get the same thing over and over again, except for, I would bet if you went and polled citizens, they would say they're more excited about new arrowhead, the new Kaufman. And I think that has everything to do with the product on the field and nothing to do with the product off it. Because off the field today, the Chiefs had a ho-hum moment while the Royals had a wow factor. Me and you, we carried that Royals press conference live. We were on the talkback being like, that looks cool. Did we talk today about how the Arrowhead looks cool? No. It looks like a big parking lot. Yeah, I mean, I I look at the Royals, and I, I understand the significant differences between the two. The Chiefs are out of everybody's way, and the Royals are talking about currently building on top of a community. So I understand the backlash to the two ideas. But the Royals' idea sounds very cutting edge. The Royals could very possibly have the best stadium in Major League Baseball coming up in six, seven years. It's very much a possibility for them. I think the idea of new Kauffman Stadium sounds very new and exciting. Again, everything I heard today from the Chiefs just sounds like a software update on your phone. 
They are selling you the same iPhone. They just got a better camera attached to it. It's the same iPhone. It's just a little bit faster than the one. And people continue to buy new iPhones. I've certainly bought it. But I do think the Royals, at least with the money that you were giving them, they have a plan to really revolutionize baseball in Kansas City. That's not really the tone that I got today from listening to the Kansas City Chiefs. We can keep this conversation coming up on the other side, 913-586-7610. We're talking about the top story. The Chiefs made their announcements for the future of Arrowhead Stadium, and it's okay. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. The only place in town to hear the hypothetical button game is on The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Push back on the text line, and I'm certainly happy to have the conversation. If you want to text in, you can do so, 913-586-7610. You can also chime in. I want to be clear on this part. You guys know where I stand on the 3A cent sales tax. My plan is to vote yes. I didn't hear or see anything that moved me off of that opinion. And I'm willing to take some responsibility. I went into it with pretty lofty expectations about what I thought the plan was. So our top text right now, CDOT, I don't know why it's so hard to understand the difference between a renovation versus a new stadium. How could the Chiefs have wowed you with a renovation? That's a good point. Some of the additions that they are making to the stadium are necessary things that continue to modernize Arrowhead. And they were going to happen anyway. Most of my disappointment with the wow factor when it comes to it is they now are going to have more space than they've ever had before. And at least the early plan of it was very ho-hum. At least that's the vibe that I got. All of the space now that the Royals are using, they are about to move. Now, whether they move to downtown Kansas City or somewhere else, that still remains to be seen. But I do think one thing is very, very clear, that by the end of the decade, the Royals are not going to be playing in that space anymore. And I at least thought when the Chiefs finally made this unveil, because I'm sure they've had ideas and internal conversations, it's not like the Royals wanting to move from the Truman Sports Complex to some new idea. They've had some time. This was the Chiefs' first hey, this is what we plan on doing. And at least to me, as somebody that lives in Jackson County and they're asking me to help pay for it, they didn't really give me anything to be super excited about today. Today, what they announced was they announced more suites. They announced more They announced more heaters if you were in the 300 level and they have some kind of game day entertainment plan in place but we'll figure that out at a later date, but we still want you to vote yes on that. That is at least the vibe and tone that I got from them today when it came to it. Now, I wouldn't have minded a retractable roof. Gives you the opportunity to host the Final Four. Gives you an opportunity to host the Super Bowl. They didn't announce that today. I thought there were going to be shops out there. That wasn't announced today. I thought they were going to announce a hotel out there today. I thought they were going to announce a more dedicated, smaller concert venue. And maybe that is a part of what this new idea is. They were kind of vague, I thought, on what new Kaufman was going to be. It was 
entertainment options for game day, but also community spaces you could use year round. They didn't really give us a whole lot of what the plan is at Kaufman. I just thought that the if they're asking us for $500 million, I thought we were going to get a little bit more sizzle than, than we got today. I mean, if you're Taylor Swift, you got some sizzle today. If you're a VIP, you got some sizzle today. I think your lack of sizzle, to stick with the word, is because their plan to renovate Arrowhead for regular folks was new Jumbotron, enhanced Jumbotron, 360 upper deck concourse, which, by the way, is needed, but that's cool, and, you know, some enhanced RV parking and a better Uber shuttle system. But if you're a VIP, if you're Taylor Swift, if you're one of the celebrities that will be coming to see the Kansas City Chiefs in the coming years, you got your own dedicated entrance, your own special dedicated gate to come in. You got a dedicated parking space. You got a dedicated walkway into an enhanced VIP area. You got an enhanced VIP area. You can be on the field or in the box. I saw some renderings that had cool, you know, walkways for the VIP concourses. I think today, if you were a VIP, if you were a person who hobnobbed with the rich and famous, you walked away being like, man, they're going to make Arrowhead better for me. You know, those videos we see from like Aaron Ladd every Sunday where Taylor Swift's being driven in on a golf court underneath the stadium. Those videos aren't going to exist in New Arrowhead. I bet she loves the new plan because it's very VIP friendly. Someone on the text line says, CDOT, I love Arrowhead. I didn't want exciting. I wanted ho-hum. That's what they gave you. Again, I, I, I'm not down on the renovations of Arrowhead. I just expected a little bit more. And I have heard a lot of frustration from you guys. And I'm reading the text line, and, I mean, we are getting to the core of it. I have heard a lot of pushback over the last six months. I don't want to pay for their stadium and their ideas. Your tax dollars is now going to go to a suite that many of you will never sit in. And I don't really hear a whole lot of pushback. And we all know the differences. The Chiefs win and the Royals don't. That's really what this comes down to. You don't want to help pay for the Royals' ideas because they stink. I mean, that's what, that's what it comes down to. That's it. As long as we can come to that agreement, then I'm fine. I mean, that's the truth. The Chiefs could have done anything today. They got Patrick Mahomes. They won the Super Bowl. Cool. Whatever you need us to pay for, we'll pay for it. Because that's kind of what they gave you today. Hey, a majority of this you guys are going to pay for. We're going to put some of this toward the practice facility. You guys don't use that. We're going to put some of these toward suites. You guys don't use these suites. We're going to give you something for the pores up there so you can stay a little bit warmer. We're not going to give you a roof. We're not really going to be very detailed on what the plan's going to be at Kauffman Stadium. We're not going to be super detailed about that. And you guys are going to pay for it. Go vote yes. We don't have a plan B. Our plan A is you're going to vote yes on this thing. That's kind of what they told you today. The Royals been having to jump through hoops to try to get you to approve this thing. I just expected a little bit more as a voter. That was just my takeaway. I expected a little bit more oomph, a little bit more something than what the Kansas City Chiefs gave us today with their announcement. And I agree with you. I don't think that's bad. I just don't think it was a little peek behind the curtain. It's better way to explain it. Me and you were walking out of the office yesterday, talking about today's show. You know, we we're prepping a little bit. And I was like, oh, tomorrow's show, they're going to announce the stadium renovations. It's going to be a big deal in town. And I thought it was going to be a wave of excitement that would lead to a unified yes vote in a month. 
That was my thought. We kind of prepped the show on, hey, they're going to build this big anticipation and this big moment. New Arrowhead's going to look glitzy, glamorous, and people are going to be so enamored with it plus the success that it's going to be a wave of people on the fence going to be pushed to yes. And then at 10 o'clock, we saw it and we texted. We were like, it's whatever. It's, it's cool. It's just they took Arrowhead and they gave it a facelift, which if you wanted Arrowhead to have a facelift, not an overhaul, you're happy. But I... I thought they would make it way cooler, way more on par with Allegiant Stadium or MetLife or these places that are experiences to go to. But they just gave you the same arrowhead. And it's it's not bad. It's just not the excitement I anticipated. No, that's kind of where I am. Someone had said at this at the but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with preserving the original footprint of Arrowhead. I a hundred percent agree with you. A hundred percent. And as a Jackson County voter, again, I I am certainly open to the they have more things kind of hiding. But today was about the Chiefs. Today was about what their plan to do with the money is. The Royals have told you what their plan is to do with the money. And the Royals, for people are voting yes on this thing, not based on really anything that the Chiefs are doing. Now, the Chiefs might end up saving this whole thing because you don't want the Chiefs to move. But let's be honest about what a majority of people, I believe, are going to the polls to vote for in April. It is, do you want the Royals to move downtown or not? That's really what this is. So I thought the Chiefs kind of came in here with a free roll. Hey, we got a plan that is going to blow your socks off. You absolutely will vote yes on this thing. And that's just not the tone that I got today from them when it came to the stadium vote. Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined by Bob Fesco. He has been all over the Truman Sports Complex news. We'll get his thoughts and takes on. He's calling right now. Let's just take Bob Fesco. I'm happy to catch up with Bob Fesco to hear what he has to say about this. While we wait for Bob, uh, Mark Donovan, here's what he said the impact on tailgating was going to be. Obviously something you guys are very, very passionate about. Number one, tailgating will get better. Um, What we're looking at is, again, get the opportunity to start over. So we looked at exactly how should the cars be facing, what's easiest from an in-and-out standpoint, and what creates the most space for tailgating. And we looked at a lot of different options. One of the things that was first and foremost on our list of potential is we must have tailgating. We must continue to enhance tailgating. It's one of the things we're known for, so you're going to see a better opportunity. When you look at that covered canopy space on the new activation zone, you're going to see some very interesting ways to tailgate in that space. So it's trying to take advantage of that space to better tailgating. On parking prices, um, I know it's a popular topic. If you look at the National Football League and you look at average parking prices, we're, we're relatively average. Um, so we'll continue to, I can't tell you today what the parking is going to be in 2031. Um, but we've been very conscious of what we charge for pricing. And one of the things we've done and will continue to do, and I would bet we're going to do this in 31, is you're going to pay the lowest possible price for parking if you buy in advance and you use the system because that makes it more efficient for every single one of our fans. So it's less about the price of the ticket. It's more about how do we get these fans in here as efficiently as possible so everyone has a good experience. That was Mark Donovan, the business voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's head to the phone line right now and get Fesco's take on everything that he heard from the Chiefs today. Bob, this was the analogy. I think that the Royals, just due to what they're asking, 
the Royals are trying to get a brand new phone where I saw the Chiefs announcement today is much more of a software update than anything. And I'm not going to say that I am disappointed by the announcement, but I thought when the Chiefs kind of unveiled their big plan, I thought it was going to have a little bit more wow, a little bit more pizzazz. This just feels like a nice coat of paint over an aging stadium. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you say there, Carrington, at all. I mean, I'm really like, I'm having a hard time getting past no roof on top of Arrowhead because that is a like a community benefit, if you will, is putting that roof up there and being able to attract big-time events. The Super Bowl, the Final Four, we've been through the list a thousand times of what that can attract. And by, by not having the retractable roof so you can still play football in the elements and freeze our tails off out there, playoff games, and use that as a home field advantage, by not having that retractable roof, I'm like, well, all right, I, I see what you're doing. I, I, I guess if I can you know, go to the bathroom quicker and get out of traffic and they make those types of improvements, I kind of see what they're doing. But like, if it was on the ballot itself by, by itself without a new downtown baseball stadium, I, I don't know that I'd vote for those upgrades because I don't know that they're enough for the, for the citizens to put in. But when you factor in the downtown baseball stadium, that's great. I love the downtown baseball stadium. Yeah, I'm not maybe as caught up as much on the roof, which is surprising because you know how much I hate the cold weather. That really wasn't the sticking point for me. I know you and I have talked about this, and people in Kansas City have talked about it. Man, what would happen if the Chiefs got all of that space out of the Truman Sports Complex? And that is a real possibility. I mean, in the next 30 days, the next 35 days, the announcement can be that all of that space in the Truman Sports Complex is there. I just expected to hear an idea that was going to be they were going to build some big hotel and a concert venue out there they're going to have more room than they've ever had as an organization whether it was when the stadium was memorial stadium and they played downtown or now at the truman sports complex and at least their plan for where kaufman stadium is now that plan was even ho-hum well yeah it was but i mean do you blame them i mean there's been 60 years of people that could have developed areas out there at, by the stadiums and nobody did except with a taco bell and a denny's that's gone and an adams mark hotel that doesn't exist anymore and i think when you look around at the 60 years you realize that's just not a good area for development and and i had a friend that had a restaurant out there years ago called sa sanders and he had a close in 94 after the baseball strike he said i couldn't sustain without the without the baseball product out here i couldn't sustain by having eight chiefs games and so it put him under he had a move and now he owns patrick's no bar and grill in, in, in waldo and whatnot and obviously that happened years later after the closing of sa sanders but that was back in 1994 that it wasn't a sustainable location and so i, I don't blame the Chiefs, especially Carrington, when they're talking about a 25-year lease as well. I mean, when you look at that 25-year lease, that's really not a long-term commitment. It was like 25 years ago when we voted on the current renovations of Arrowhead and Kauffman Stadium, and that's gone by, you know, in, a, in, in the blink of an eye, and not quite 25, but pretty close to 25 years. And so 25 years isn't a long period of time. And so that lease commitment for, for 25 years to put your money into developing a hotel in an area in a place that hasn't been developed in 60 years, I, I really don't fault Mark Donovan for saying, well, we're not going to do that. No, nobody else has done it. Why should we, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, and at least in that part, this is where I think the Chiefs are getting a, I don't know if pass is the correct term for them winning, but the Royals are really going above and beyond financially, and it makes sense. They want a completely new stadium. They also want to build on top of a community, so I understand why they're committing a billion dollars. 
for the Chiefs come to come out today and say that this project is going to be $800 million and they're going to throw in $300 million. They're not even going 50-50 on this. And you have heard a lot of pushback, as have I, is a lot of the public saying, we don't want to pay for you guys' idea. Well, today the Chiefs just announced we want you to pay for a majority of these things, and people don't really seem to have a lot of pushback towards it. Well, it's it's weird for me that you look at the Chiefs project and you think, okay, it's basically the same thing as you talked about, you know, with a software upgrade. You get some new scoreboards, some more toilets, some some things like that. Hopefully, easier, you know, out three thousand more parking spaces is is great. That's fantastic as well because I think you still need that kind of stuff, you know, out there when you have a football stadium. And the more parking, the better for everybody involved. I, I think, you know, when I look at, it, I look at John Sherman putting in a billion dollars plus cost overruns of his own money. That's just not talked enough about. I walked into the J today and the, the guys are sitting around and they're like, see, Clark Hunt's putting in $300 million of his own money. What's Sherman doing? I said, he's putting in a billion dollars of his own money to build a new stadium. And they're like, I never heard anything like that. So I don't think the Royals have done a good enough job of publicizing just how much money John Sherman is, is willing to put into this stadium and how much money that he is contributing to the project. They're contributing about 50% to the project. Now, I will say this, when the renovations happened, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was, I think the Chiefs put in like $350 million and David Glass was lucky enough to come up with $75 million out of his own pocket. So it's a little bit reversed right now. But I think what the Royals are trying to do to try to, you know, d- develop a brand new ballpark, a new village and all that kind of stuff is wonderful. What the Chiefs are trying to do is nice, but it's only for 25 years. So the, the long-term investment isn't going to be there because in 25 years, Carrington, that stadium is going to be 80-plus years old. Yeah, then I'm guessing at that part they're then going to want more money to renovate it again, and then the argument is going to be this is Lambeau Field. We have to protect it. Yeah, it, it, may, it may be at that time, or it may be to the point where they just go, you know what, we're going we're gonna to tear this thing down and build somewhere totally different, whether that's in Kansas, whether that's on the other side of that parking lot, you know, 25 years, who knows? What do you feel about this vote, though? I've had so many people ask me, do you think this is going to pass today? And I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer that question. I do think it's going to pass. I do think that this is a very unique conversation because this is one of the biggest changes in our city's history. I mean, for the last 50 years or so, Kaufman's been out of everybody's way. They're now trying to build it in the middle of a community. I think that changes it. I also think this is the first vote that we've had that is going to happen on social media. And you and I both know that anytime something is negative or no, you're always going to hear that more than the yeses. Yep. I, I do think in this, there are a lot of people like me that have such a great pride of being in Kansas City and living in Kansas City, and I'm willing to do whatever it is to preserve Kansas City, Missouri, and protect Jackson County, that there are a lot of people that are going to vote yes on this, and probably more people than the no crowd. But, I mean, there is a no crowd, and I think a lot of it is the we don't want to pay for your stadium, and a lot of it is, I mean, they are going to, they are going to tear down the crossroads to build this billion-dollar idea. Right. Well, that's on the city. I mean, the the Royals wanted to be in the East Village, and that was the location all along. And the city said, we don't want you there because that's going to compete, you know, in a a negative way, I guess. And this is I'm just giving you the information you can you can, you know, disseminate it however you feel necessary. But I was told that the city did not want the Royals in the in the in the uh, East Village area there because it was going to compete too much with power and light. Then I'm looking at the, 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 you know, the crossroads. I'm like, they are building a bridge to power and light, basically. So, I mean, I, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but that's information that I was told that, the, that for years I've been saying the Royals are going to go to the East Village, right? Like, I didn't just make that up. That's where they wanted to go. 
They were close to getting all the land acquired down there, and the city was like, no, 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 we don't want you there. We want you in the crossroads. And so if you if somebody has a problem with that, you need to talk to the mayor and the city council and those folks because they're the ones who kind of directed the royals to that crossroads district. Notice how that came up late in the process as well when they were focused, focused, focused on the East Village, and then now all of a sudden you're making an about-face to that crossroads district. That's a citywide thing. That's not a royals thing. But I will also say, and, and we talked about this on Monday, I've been told that there are other jurisdictions out there in the area, more, mostly in the area. There is obviously going to be some from other cities around the country when stuff like this happens. People call each other, right, uh, that, that are offering better financial plans right now for both the Royals and Chiefs if this vote doesn't pass in Jackson County. And the Royals and Chiefs are trying to be loyal to Jackson County, and they're trying to give them that right of refusal. They want to be in Jackson County. Does Jackson County want us? And if Jackson County says, yes, we want you, then we stay. But if they don't, there are other jurisdictions out there right now that are offering better public dollar financial packages than what Jackson County is offering to the Royals and Chiefs. Bob, that's the part of this conversation that I don't think the Royals and the Chiefs have maybe communicated the best. And a point that I've kind of tried to make on the text line, but you know, anytime that we make it, it's then fear-mongering. I don't think people understand. There is no scenario of which a no vote, and then both teams go back to, oh, well, you guys were right. No, we're going to stay right here. No, if there is a no vote, there is not another Chiefs vote in the next six months that is a that is a that is separate from the Royals in Jackson County. In my belief, if you vote no on this thing, you are fine with the Royals moving outside of Jackson County, and you are fine with the Chiefs going to Kansas. I'm not fine with that, so I'm willing to vote yes, even if I'm not a hundred percent behind every idea that I've heard proposed. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to put it because I, I can promise you on, on the night of the second when the polls close and if this thing fails in Jackson Ca- County, Laura Kelly's going to be up late and she's going to be making a couple of phone calls to Mark Donovan and to Clark Hunt and to John Sherman and we're going to see what those you know those potential offers are, are out there. And again, that's not fear-mongering. That's just telling you what's going on behind the scenes. I don't think the Royals and Chiefs have been very good at communicating anything throughout this process. I think they have dropped the ball big time on this. I mean, we're just now seeing the first commercial 35 days out. I think a lot of people have already made up their minds about what they're going to do and how they're going to vote, you know, in this scenario. And I I think the ball's been dropped big time by both of these franchises. If they truly want to stay in Jackson County, they should have been out there promoting this and letting people know, like, it really bothers me that I walk into the to the J today and the guys are sitting around going, Sherman's not putting in any money like Clark is. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, he is. He's putting in a billion dollars. And that's on the Royals and and their organization for not properly communicating this to the public. That is our guy, Bob Fesco, joining us on the show today. Bob, you know what it feels good that me and you are on the same side when it comes to one of these topics. I'm happy to be on your side of this, Bob. Well, I'm happy to be on your side, too, Carrington. I guess we're on the side of right. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you. You got it, bud. Talk to you. That's my guy, Bob Fesco joining us on the show today. And I will say it again. That is the part of this conversation that I think people, maybe they know and they just don't care. I do care. It's something that I'm very passionate about. As someone who has lived every day of my life in Kansas City, Missouri, aside from the point that I was in college, I want the stadiums to remain in Kansas City, Missouri and in Jackson County. And I firmly believe that a no vote means they are moving the teams out of Jackson County. So I do not love the Chiefs' plan. I like the Chiefs' plan. I don't love it. I am voting yes. I wish the Royals had put their stadium in the East Village. 
Bob kind of confirmed what I've thought this entire time is that the main reason of why it is going to the crossroads is they didn't want to build another entertainment district to take away from power and light because in a lot of ways that plan has been a failure for the city. And this now gives it a new set of life. And now you put 80 home dates down there and people are down there and they're going to the shops and restaurant and bars and people are excited about it. That is a major motivating factor for a lot of people. I understand why people don't like the plans that are out there. I understand why people don't want the stadium in the crossroads. I understand why people don't want to play for billionaire ideas. I also just, and I don't say this to be condescending, I also just live in the real world. And I've seen what the real-life consequences are when you tell the billion-dollar sports team, no, you do not get a happy ending in those scenarios. They usually move. Now, in this scenario, they do what the Golden State Warriors do, and they move across the bridge. But, Rob, we also saw how a large group of people also got priced out of being able to afford to go to the games when they moved the Golden State Warriors. And I think that is a major part of this conversation with the Royals and with the Chiefs. And the Royals can't really bang that drum and the Chiefs don't really bang that drum. But I've said this entire time. We have countless numbers of American cities examples of what happens when you vote no on these things. And that's just not a dice roll that I'm willing to take. So I'm willing to do my part in voting yes. I can't do other than my part. And my part as someone who lives in Jackson County is I plan on voting yes on this thing. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City is Nick Bolton. Can I get a big old M-I-Z? You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. We'll talk about McCole Hardman coming up at the top of the hour. And McCole, I just... I don't know why you went on this podcast and snitched on yourself. I just, I don't understand. I I don't know. I get it. You're feeling yourself. You caught the game when it's touchdown. You're getting asked to do stuff that you've never been asked to do. I get it. I don't know why you went on a podcast and snitched on yourself. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. We'll also talk about MVS, who was released today from the Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to play this audio for you guys before we talk about McCall Hartman. Christopher Mad Dog Russo, can we call him friend of the show? We absolutely can call Chris Mad Dog Russo friend of the show. He's been on multiple times. He meets the qualifications. Well, he was on his second job, his part-time job, first take, and he made a list of what he thinks the five most difficult sports to play are. Oh, listen. Number five, football, physicality. The speed, the agility, the quickness, how fast the game is. You have to want to be hit. That is a very difficult thing to overcome. Number Give four. it to me. What? Thank you. This is an impossible sport to play because it's a, it requires finesse and ability to skate and all those things. Don't laugh. Curling. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Mad Dog, I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. That's when you play. Oh what God. even is that? It's, no. like, it's, it's shuffleboard no. on ice. Number three. So this is going to be awkward like, for you when America hears tennis. you lied. Tennis is an impossible sport it's tough. to play. It's tough. The physicality, yeah. the bending, yeah. big gumby, yeah. gotta get low. backhands, yeah. forehands, serve, running around in the heat. In the heat. Oh, in the heat. You don't see anybody out of shape playing tennis. Number two. Oh, golf. 
golf's impossible. You know how hard it is to play golf? All the components, driving, sand wedge, putting, short game, iron play, three woods, off the deck. And it is, listen, it's a skill more than a sport. There is nothing harder than hitting a golf ball. And there is nothing harder than scoring well on a championship golf course. I know better than anybody, and I'm a two-handicap. And then finally, number one, hitting a baseball. Hitting a baseball with the hand-eye coordination mm. is by far the most difficult thing to do. It's hard. <laughs> For those of you that maybe came in in the middle, Mad Dog gave his five most difficult sports. Number five was football. Number four was curling. Number three was tennis. Two was golf. And number one was baseball. Rob, you are an avid golfer. You agree with golf being number two? I have no problem with golf or baseball being where they're at. The rest of the list I have some questions about. Golf, there's a, there's a reason the best golfers in the world struggle from time to time. It's an infuriating sport. And hitting a baseball is very, very difficult. Now, from then on, curling and tennis and the rest of it was just nonsense. How hard is golf, really? Golf is very difficult. How hard is golf? Golf is you can very do diffi- it at an incredibly old age. Yeah, but to do you it don't well, have to be in the best shape to do it. People are quiet while you are performing it. Can something be that difficult if you're drinking while doing it? To be like, fair, how how hard can it really be? Because you play golf all the time. You're pretty good at golf. You're out there drinking when you do it. It can't be that difficult. You don't see Patrick Mahomes just taking sips of the Corona in between plays. You don't see Steph Curry go to the bench, grab some. You can eat snacks and stuff during it. Is it really that hard? The reason it might be hard to be Tiger Woods. Yeah. It's hard to be good at this level. To be a scratch golfer would take a lot of work, a lot of skill, a lot of money. That's not something that the average schmo has the ability to get done. Also, people did drink playing football. It's called Johnny Manziel. <laughs> and he won a Heisman doing it. <laughs> okay, I don't know if he was. He might have been drinking on Thursday. But this golf's that hard. It's that hard. If you hadn't played golf this weekend, you would you would not you'd be over two hundred. It's that difficult and it's infuriating. I know how to swing a golf club. Doesn't matter. Everyone knows how to swing a golf club. I can hit the ball. Doing it straight. They always like the hardest thing to hit a baseball. The hardest thing ain't hitting a golf ball. Like okay, I agree. Someone says, "See that you're talking about recreational golf. It's easy to play golf. It's harder to be a pro golfer. It's hard to be a pro at anything." It's not easy. I'm just saying, I I think we're making, I don't think golf's that hard. I'm not saying it's easy to play. It's, it's hard to be a pro at a lot of things. You telling me that you think it's harder to play, like, stop it. No. I refuse. I don't believe it. Can we talk about curling at four real quick? I mean, we, come on. That's shuffleboard. On ice. 
That's not hard. <laughs> it looks like it's a Swiffer. Just, <laughs> go to your local bar. There's a Sully's around the corner from us. We can go play shuffleboard on the wood, and then we'll figure it out on ice. It's I'm not just hard. like, tomorrow. Like, honestly, tomorrow. Let's say that I give you the next year. Do you think you'd be a better figure skater or a better golfer? If every day for the next year you practice it, I think you have a much better chance of being a better golfer than a figure skater. If I told you every day for the next year, practice the balance beam or practice being a golfer, which one do you think you'd be better at? Golf. I'm not saying it's easy, but come on now. We're making golf seem like it's, no. Enough's enough. Let's knock it off. It can't be that hard. Everywhere I look up, there's courses being built all the time. And it's it's something that your 61-year-old uncle can be good at. It can't be that hard. Someone said, see that, so you can't throw a football in the backyard and drink a couple of beers. You can't play. That's not playing football. Play that's the way I play golf is not playing golf. Then I go, I go golfing. There is a difference. If you're going to say, Hey, playing football in the yard with the fellas isn't playing football. Then you can't call football at all. You can't go playing 18 at Tomahawk and call that golfing. You throwing the football around during your tailgate is not playing football. No, it's not playing football. You, when you go out, you and your four friends and you, that's playing golf. That's simulating around of it. So on the text line, I would love to see CDOT go golf and guarantee he shoots over to him. I don't play golf frequently. I'm not saying that I'm a good I know how to play the game. I just think we're overselling it because so many people, oh, it's so hard. Well, you play golf one hour a week. You play golf two hours a week. Yeah, I'm not surprised you're not that good at it. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk about McCole Hardman, who was snitching on himself. Keep right here, Mr. Drive. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Who the 
back to our golf conversation. Rob and I were still arguing about it during the break. Rob was very, very offended about my stance towards golf. Coming up in, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, we'll talk about MVS and MVS's release from the Kansas City Chiefs. <sighs> McCall Hardman. I'm not mad at you. I can't even say that I'm disappointed at McCall Hardman. I just don't know why you went on a podcast today and snitched on yourself and potentially hurt your own chances at going back to the team that you want to play for. So for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, McCall Hardman went on the show, The Pivot. Really good show. I like The Pivot. Shannon Crowder, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor. They do like a sit-down, guys-talk podcast. It's good, right? McCole Hardman was talking about his transition from the Jets back to the Chiefs, and he said this. Tell you right, I'm, I was so checked out. Like, it's over. I already talked to Veeds and Pat. Like, hey, bro, come get me, bro. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we talking about? Like, man, come get me, bro. Like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. McColl, my friend, you can't do that. What you described is not allowed in the NFL. It could get the Chiefs in trouble. You maybe shouldn't have said that. I get it. You're on the podcast. You're around the fellas. It's normally a real comfortable environment. You're excited. You know, you're excited. You're getting asked to do things that they've never asked you to do. And it's a really fun time. What you described is illegal in an NFL sense. It's not allowed in an NFL sense. The general manager of, a, of another team cannot talk to you while you are under contract and employed for another team. I just wouldn't have said that. 
I just don't think that was a very good idea, McColl. Now, we'll see what the NFL does. Believe me, the NFL, they're going to do an investigation. They kind of have to. And if you're the Jets, I'd be very upset, and I'd ask for an investigation. You can't do that. It just wasn't smart, McColl. It just wasn't smart. So the next time you plan on going on a podcast, you know what? I would just be a little bit more careful about what you say. And the fact that there are cameras and they are going to release that audio and people are going to listen to it and people are going to hear it. And you actually said a lot of really good stuff on here. You talked about the Travis Kelsey speech. You guys heard about the speech, the speech right before the Super Bowl. And he went up there and he was real passionate about winning this Super Bowl. You could sense it with Travis Kelsey, how much passion he had for trying to help the Chiefs win. He also said this, that is making the rounds and, I thought McColl gave a very good answer of what went wrong with the Jets. Everybody do what they want to do. Defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that, with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a standard, but the offense is just like, all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do, you know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do. But this is that same coach staff that just was out of a job the previous year, then average get a new job. I know for a fact I'm better than him for sure. Like, I ain't trying to, you know, where I know I'm better than him, I'm better than him too. Garrett Wilson, the only person y'all should just be like, hey. So I have no problem with y'all putting around Garrett Wilson for sure. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's fine. But when you come to certain other things, like, come on, like, I don't understand why I'm not in the rotation with that. And y'all never gave me a reason as to why either. This, this is my thing was, y'all can't tell me about winning. I've been to four Super Bowls. In five years, you know what I'm saying, now, you feel me? But beforehand, I've been to four AFC championships. I've been to three Super Bowls. I've won two of them. Like, I know what winning looks like. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things. It's like, I'm not going for that. Like, because y'all not doing it right. Like, we got hammers on the ground. We don't got no discipline. People feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever. And I'm telling them, like, that's not going to get y'all to win. I'm a big believer. That teams take on the personality of their leaders. And at least when it comes to the Chiefs, it is very obvious who the leaders are. Andy Reid is a leader. Patrick Mahomes is a leader. Travis Kelsey is a leader. And when he talks about the helmets on the sideline, that might not mean anything to you, but it's about keeping your workspace clean and looking out for guys' safeties. You're walking on the sideline, you don't see it, you trip over a helmet, something happens. Hey, it's just attention to detail and doing the little things and things that Andy Reid, who has done this for a long time, knows and understands and highlights, kind of like in training camp, we're going to go over, we know we're making the postseason, so we're going to prepare ourselves early on for any possible scenario that could happen in the postseason. And I also think that this is an indictment on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we've kind of known this about Aaron for quite some time. Like, I don't think McColl is lying about any of this. I don't think he was lying about talking to the Kansas City Chiefs while he was under contract with the New York Jets, which is tampering. I also don't think he's lying about the tone around the New York Jets. All of it was about Aaron Rodgers. And once they lost Aaron Rodgers, they did not have a direction as an organization of what they should be doing. And I do think we've seen this with the Jets, and I think we saw this towards the end with the Packers, that Aaron's personality, teams are willing to do whatever to make him happy. 
because they know how much of a disruption that he can be in your locker room. So they give him a lot of leeway, a lot of leash to do what he wants to do in your organization. And if you're McColl and you come from a place where you played with a quarterback who's better than Aaron Rodgers and you've played in big time games, like you said, you know what it's supposed to look like and feel like. You saw it every single day. And you don't have to be Travis Kelsey to understand those things. You've been around it. You saw it. If you were at a really successful company and then something happened and now you've left your job, hey, man, I, don't, I know we're not supposed to be doing that. Hey, this is wrong. This is incorrect. This is not the way that we are supposed to do things here. And maybe people on that job listen to you or maybe you got a lot of pushback and you were the one sitting there like, hold on. Hey, wait, that's not correct. I know. Hey, I was at a Fortune 500 company. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know what we're supposed to be doing. And I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong. And they told you that you were wrong. Okay. That's what I think McColl is describing. I think McColl was really good on the pivot. I think McColl is a really interesting character. I would just advise him when it comes down to these podcasts, hey, some stories you don't got to (laughs) tell. And the story of I was going to the quarterback on another team, the tight end on another team, and the general manager on another team, I would just keep those stories maybe for myself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the same level of punishment the Chiefs got for Macklin's level of tampering, but I imagine the NFL is going to do an investigation in some form or fashion. And people on the text line saying, oh, the Chiefs can just have plausible deniability. The NFL investigations are more than just, did this happen, yes or no? Like, do I think the Chiefs get hit with a tampering charge? Probably not, but don't even open up the possibility if you're McCall Hardman. As far as the Jet stuff, it's interesting to hear McCall Hardman say that because I felt like we all kind of knew that, but no one was saying it. Like, Aaron Rodgers never went on IR. Because he didn't want to go on IR. We heard reports that, you know, the team won him on IR, but he was like, no, I want to be able to come back if I want to. That's weird. Have you ever heard a situation where a player says, I'm not going on IR? He was warming up before games when he wasn't even on the active roster. Have you ever heard of seeing that before? Not really. That's not commonplace. Remember that story during the season that Robert Sala asked Zach Wilson if he wants to be the starter again, and Zach's like, nope, I'm good. No, thank you. Like, There were lots of little leaks that proved the Jets were just poorly run, and the McColl-Hardman conversation is just the latest one. It tells me one thing. Fade the Jets when it's time to make season-long bets because that's Aaron Rodgers' team, and everyone else has to fall in line, and Aaron Rodgers is concerned with Aaron Rodgers. He's not concerned with winning football. Yeah, I'm just – I think we've seen enough examples of it that – Things are going to go wrong over the course of whatever you're doing, right? Like things are going to go wrong over the course of a football season. An injury is going to happen, a miscommunication. You got a lot of personalities, a lot of egos, a lot of testosterone in one environment. Things are going to go wrong. How do you handle it? How do you manage it? How do you keep everything in house? And I think what we've learned about the Chiefs over the last five, six years is They do a really good job of resolving their conflicts inside. They do a really good job of doing that. I also think they do a really good job of setting a tone in. This is how we do things here. And if you are not willing to fall in line, then we don't want you here. And it's also identifying the people early on that you think are a good fit 
for your chemistry and what you already have going on. And I think the Chiefs deserve a lot of credit for that, as most winning organizations and companies do. And I think you also see why the Jets have been in such upheaval over the last couple of years and why they really, really struggled. Coming up on the other side, you know, Rob, let's get back to this golf topic because it's got the text line going crazy. We'll finish it coming up on the other side. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Brett Veach. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. All right. We're going to take a little bit of a detour, but you know what? I'm happy to do so. Someone on the text line says, Carrington, I've been a defender of yours for eight years, but hearing you talk about golf being easy, I've been a chump to back that horse. Other people on the text line, very angry with my comments about golf. You know what? Let's... Let's hash this conversation out on my feelings that people have about golf. I don't think that golf is easy, but I don't think that being a pro at many things is easy to do. I think we give being good at golf a little bit too much credit because so many people try to be good at it and are not good at it. And that's like most things. For example, I bet a lot of you know someone who has a podcast. It's not that hard to start a podcast. It's very, very easy to have a podcast. How many people do you know make money off of their podcast? How many people do you know make enough money to support themselves off of a podcast? Really, really hard to do. Having a podcast is not that difficult. Being a pro podcaster is a really, really hard thing to do. So I am not saying that tomorrow you can go be a professional golfer. No. I'm not saying that. Not at all. I don't think you can do that. Not at all. I don't think that. Just like tomorrow, I don't think you can be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to try. No, you're probably not going to succeed. All of us know somebody who was really, really good at basketball, right? Really, really good. One of my friends, one of my best friends was first team Conference USA in basketball. Never played a second in the NBA. It's really, really hard to be a professional at these things. So, again, I I do not think that golf is easy. I don't think that tomorrow you can just wake up and be in the Masters. No, I don't think that. But I do think, like most things, if you practice enough at it, you can be all right. You can be fine, right? You can be decent at golf. You probably won't make money off of it, but, yeah, you'll be fine at it. Where are you at on this, Rob? I think I think you're way way off base here. I think golf is extremely difficult. And one of the reasons it is so difficult is because people who play their whole life and even enter their athletic prime 
do not play it well. It is a very, very difficult game to master. Now, if you want to say, hey, Rob, golf is more of a skill than a pure sport, I will listen to that conversation. But it is absolutely one of the more difficult things. I can show you YouTube video on YouTube video. I can show you pros. There's tons and tons of content out there of people who are supposedly great at golf, and they still have long stretches where they stink because the sport is extremely difficult. And I would say even the best of the best don't truly master it because eventually the sport catches up and gets past them. That is not really how it works other sports. Yeah, but I guess I, that maybe that's where we're different. Like someone on the text line says, CDOT, you're proving the point that golf is harder. There are 52, 53 spots on a roster times 32 that make money off football. There's about 30 or 60 golfers that make what they can make. Well, if we're just using that argument, then couldn't I argue that it's harder to play point guard in the NBA than harder to play quarterback in the NFL? Like, there's more people that play quarterback in the NFL than play point guard in the NBA. And I would never tell you that it's harder to play point guard. It's obviously harder to play quarterback than it is to play point guard in those. Like, if we're going off the numbers, okay, sure. But, but what are we, what is the determination of being good at golf? Is it being a pro golfer? Is that the determination that we're having? Or is it, hey, I, I can hold my own at golf. What are we using as the baseline, Rob? As somebody that plays golf, are we saying you just got to be a pro at golfer? What if you're somebody that was really good at golf, you got a scholarship to go play golf somewhere, and that is high, hard as golf, as high as golf takes you? I would say that you were good at golf if that's the case. I'm sure you know somebody like that. You went to Kansas. You know somebody that was good enough to play golf at Kansas but was not good enough to make the PGA Tour. Is that guy good at golf? I'm going to say you're at the – I would say a collegiate golfer, yes, is good at golf. But that is a very small faction. Like, I'll use Dusty. Dusty's better than me. Dusty golfs, like, in the summer three, four times a week, and I've seen him break 80. Dusty would tell you he is not a good golfer. His handicap is probably still in the teens. By no metric is he good. But he's just a guy who is better than a lot of the average people. Russo on that cut, I pulled it out because who cares, said he's a two handicap. That's really good, but that still means he's over par. Is par the goal of good? I don't know what determines good. I don't think that's what I think that's what makes golf so difficult is that it's always a moving target of what is or isn't good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Someone on the text line says, not talking about pro golfers, average average is seventy two. A good golfer shoots around eighty. Average golfers shoot around ninety five. See Doc, I'd be shocked if you could break two hundred. Do you agree with this, Rob? You agree that a good golfer shoots eighty? I'm not yes. saying I could go out there yes. and shoot eighty. I would say that's probably you're probably like what's a, that? What what's that in handicap term? Probably like a in between a five or a fifteen is kind of the window. That's you know, depending on course, there's some difficulty stuff. But yeah, that's probably that's okay. Probably let me good. ask you this then. I'm I'm asking questions legitimately. How many people do you know that could do that then? Handful, maybe, maybe consistently handful. I've seen guys do it like, hey, you just got dipped in it that day. Everything came together, then coalesced. But to put it together multiple times in a row, handful. I just think that at least in this conversation, good is really relative. And I think because golf is so widespread and so many people do it casually that we kind of skirt the rules. Like, I don't think that shooting a basketball is hard, right? I think shooting a basketball is kind of easy. What would you and I determine would make you a good shooter? Because I would say... You kind of got to shoot around in college. You got to shoot around 45% from three for me to even begin to entertain the idea of you being a good shooter. I just think good is kind of relative, at least in this sense. 
And I think I just I will always think that we put a lot put a lot of sauce on golf because so many people try to do it. I think I mean both things can be true at the same time. We might be over saucing golf, but I still think you're undervaluing the difficulty it is to play golf. Like one of the things about golf being so difficult is it's in, it's so much a mental game and it breaks a lot of people mentally. That's no, why I've Tiger definitely was, seen that before. That's why Tiger was so great is that he was just mentally stronger than everyone. But like when it's bad, it's real bad and it breaks you mentally those days. Someone on the text line says, see that my dad has been golfing for 30 years and he's only broken 80 one time. I mean, I would have quit a long time ago if that was the case. One time. Is that common? Have you ever broken 80 before, Rob? I've never broken 80. Never. never On no course. Never broken 80. I've broken. There's, you're telling me right now there's no course in Kansas City that if we went out there, you don't think that you would shoot a 79 on any course in Kansas City? I, it's possible, but I don't know that I can just walk out there and be a 79. I've been close a couple of times. My best round ever is 82. I was very happy with that 82, but I've never broken 80. Hmm. Interesting. I'm learning something about golf here today. Your best rounds at 82? Your yeah. best golf, you were 10 over? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it was a par 7 I mean, Maybe course. we're learning you just might not be very good at golf. I've never said I'm good okay, at golf. I'm just saying. I, I, I love golfing. I'm I not a good golfer. I thought with the amount of golf you told me you played, I thought that you were good. I was assuming a lot here. You just, you're very average at golf. Extremely average. Okay. I, you know, hey, you, you accept your average at it. Not, I, I'm, I'm not mad at that. Every time I play golf, I get paired with some strangers. I tell them, hey, the goal is bogey golf today. If I walk away 18 over, I'm not going to be upset with that at all. Okay. So on the text line says, CDOT, you see very athletic people in other sports go play golf and stink more mental than other sports. I mean, I've also seen some of the best football athletes in my world can't shoot a basketball. I don't know if that's the Best thing. I also think we've seen really good athletes in other sports can't swing a baseball bat or though. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's maybe the best barometer. I mean, if, like I said earlier, if you were to tell me, Hey, golf, not a sport, it's a skill because it is a honed craft. Like it is just swinging a golf club and consistently and making great contact and doing it well is a skill. I don't think I'd argue with you like, Oh yeah, it is a skill, but it is an incredibly difficult thing to master. Yeah, I also think in this, and someone on the text line says this, CDOT, the good players play three to five times a week year-round. Playing every weekend won't make you a good player unless you're blessed. I do think that. I think some of what makes golf so hard for the average person is how frequently you do it, right? You probably play golf on, like, let's say in a monthly average. How often do you play golf? Maybe six to eight hours a week or a month? Oh, no, in the, like, a week? I'm probably... Four to five a week. I only get out there once, once a weekend in the summer. So that's a, four, a round is four hours. I mean that. I mean that also explains why you've. I mean, I, I don't say this like in a derogatory way. It explains why you've kind of hit a ceiling in some regard yeah. based on your skill level, and that in order to break past that skill level, you need to play more golf. Like anything, you need to practice it more. We're getting to the bottom of golf. But here. even people I'm who, solving golf. Even people who practice all the time don't break. Their, they never break eighty. Some never. Some people, it never happens. Just out there all the whole time, just mad, hitting in the water. Like the guys who give the instructions, give the lessons on the on the course. Sometimes, like you go to a course and you see some guy giving a lesson on the range. That guy's best round may still be a seventy six, which is four over what's considered par. Yeah, no, I I've learned a lot here. Someone said, "C dot." If everyone's telling you something, there's probably a lot of truth in it. Oh, well, 
I don't know about that either. A lot of you believe that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points in an NBA game. I don't believe that either. So I'm happy we had this conversation about golf. I learned a lot over the course of the last 10 minutes. And you know what? That's what this show should be about. I maybe have a little appreciation for how hard golf really is. I still don't think it's harder than some of these other sports, but I did leave this with a, a, a greater understanding of how hard it is to really be good at golf. I did learn that today. So you know what? Thank you. I, I appreciate you guys for taking the time to inform me about this. For those of you that missed it, this is why we're talking about this. Number five, football. Physicality, the speed, the agility, the quickness, how fast the game is. You have to want to be hit. That is a very difficult thing to overcome. Number Give four. it to me. What? Thank you. This is an impossible sport to play because it's a, it requires finesse and ability to skate and all those things. Don't laugh. Curling. I don't even know what that is. Oh. Mad Dog, I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. That's when you play. Oh what Olympics? even is that? It's, no. like, it's, it's shuffleboard no. on ice. Number three. This is going to be awkward for you when America hears you lied. Tennis is an impossible sport to play. The physicality, the bending, the gumby, backhands, forehands, serve, running around, in the heat, in the heat. You don't see anybody out of shape playing tennis. Number two, (sighs) golf. Golf's impossible. You know how hard it is to play golf? All the components, driving, sand wedge, Putting, short game, iron play, three woods, off the deck. It is, listen, it's a skill more than a sport. There is nothing harder than hitting a golf ball. And there is nothing harder than scoring well on a championship golf course. I know better than anybody, and I'm a two-handicap. And then finally, number one, hitting a baseball. Hitting a baseball with the hand-eye coordination Mm. is by far. The most difficult thing to do. It's hard. That's why we were talking about this when it came to golf. Now, the curling thing, I am happy that you and I got to be on the same page. And just, you know what, we're not even going to address the curling thing because of how ridiculous it is. Uh, someone on the text line says, Dot, are you pulling a Felsco with your Wilt Chamberlain 100-point take? I'm not allowed a conspiracy theory the way everybody else is. We all have a conspiracy theory. I don't believe that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in an NBA game. It just doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. Everything about it sounds made up, honestly. I don't even acknowledge it as the highest. No, Kobe's 81 is the most points ever scored in the NBA game. I don't even acknowledge the Will Chamberlain 100. It just seems made up. All of it, everything about it seems made up to me. Will Chamberlain was a career 71%, and now he's just he's making all the free throws in the world. Just not, nothing about it makes sense. It was the highest scoring NBA game. It just No, I don't believe it. I think it's made up. It's fiction. Fan fiction is what I think the Will Chamberlain story is. I'm allowed my conspiracy theory just like you are. I mean, I can give you some more, but they're a lot more PG and maybe a lot more serious than that. That's just a nice one. All right, we'll get back to very serious things coming up on the other side. We'll get back to talking about the Chiefs and their downtown, or not the, not the downtown stadium, the downtown stadium for the Royals and Arrowhead. We'll do that. Keep it right here. So drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. 
Let's get back to talking about the top story. Today, the Kansas City Chiefs unveiled their plan. I thought the plan was fine. I know that I'm supposed to come in here with some hot take and tell you how I think the plan's the greatest or that the plan stinks. I don't think either of those things. I think the Chiefs' plan is fine. I understand the limitations if you are renovating a stadium as opposed to building a completely new stadium. I get the differences. The Royals are building a brand new stadium from scratch, state of the art. The Royals could possibly have the best stadium in Major League Baseball. The Chiefs have an iconic and historic stadium. They want to preserve that structure. And they're going to make some much-needed upgrades and additions to it. That's fine. I don't necessarily have the problem with that. And I, like many of you, I want them to keep Arrowhead. I don't want them to leave the Truman Sports Complex. I think that's the best place for them. Now, I'm not against them just building a completely new football stadium and doing what the Yankees did, how they had old Yankee Stadium and they built a brand new Yankee stadium, but I a hundred percent understand why they want to keep Arrowhead and why they want to pump money into it. I guess where my disappointment comes from as a Jackson County voter and Jackson County resident is I thought I would be a little bit more wild by their plan of what they're going to do with all the additional space now with no Royals sharing the complex with them that there were probably some limitations that let's say you really wanted to do something. If you were Clark Hunt and you kind of had your vision on something for the last five, 10 years. And I'm sure one day you were just laying there. You know how it is when you can't go to sleep and you're just thinking, you're thinking about your life and your job and your career. And I'm sure at one point he was thinking, man, you know what? If I got the opportunity to build where the Royals are, I would do this and I would do this. And you were having meetings and conversations with people. I thought today I would at least be wowed by what their plan was for where Kauffman stadium is. And that's just not the vibe that I got today. It's fine. I don't really have a lot of overwhelmingly great things to say about what happened today. I also don't have anything bad to say about it. I think the Chiefs, if your goal was to update the software, so to speak, at Arrowhead, and you wanted to make it a little more convenient to go to Chiefs games, I think they accomplished that today. I think they made it better for you if you sit up in the 300 levels, and when it's cold outside, they put a couple more heaters up there. I think that's a worthwhile improvement. I think if you spend big money with the Chiefs, you got to be thrilled about what they announced today. Oh, it is going to be a complete Taylor Swift. Hey, if you enjoyed going to Chiefs games before, wait until you go to the football games at the new stadium. It's going to be incredible for people like you. I do think a majority of the improvements to Arrowhead were much more for the VIP members, so to speak, than Gen Pop. And if you just got a GA ticket or just a regular standard ticket, I don't know if you were getting the full benefits of the improvements to Arrowhead, but if it was important for you to, for them to stay in Jackson County, if it was important for them not to do something radical to Arrowhead and continue to maintain the same environment, the same atmosphere of what they've had, I think they accomplished that tenfold today. I just wanted a little bit more sizzle. I wanted a little bit more pop 
on what their plan is long-term with the Truman Sports Complex, and I don't think I got that today. You're a Jackson County voter, so I think you're the right person to ask. And maybe it's just everyone's so tainted by the on-the-field product that it's an impossible question to answer. But do you think the Chiefs did a better job than the Royals of showing, hey, here's what your money is going to? Because the Royals explained in detail, in full, hey, if you give us this tax money, we are doing the following things. And by doing the following things, we are improving the community. We are improving the county. It is a group effort. They kept seeing, using the term, we're going to be good neighbors. They're going to build that bridge to T-Mobile Center. They're going to build a hotel. They're going to, they're going to do all of these things. Meanwhile, the Chiefs said, we're going to take your tax money and we're going to, you know, make Arrowhead a little better. Why do you think the fan reaction is, hey, the Chiefs, that's a cool new stadium. Meanwhile, the Royals are, I don't want to pay for that. Because the Royals seem to be showing a community involvement and an excitement and a wow factor, but they're not getting the reciprocation from the Jackson County voter. I think the analogy would be, sometimes... There are some of your friends that can make a certain joke. There's some that can't. I think the Chiefs and the Royals are asking the exact same of the public. Now, there are some differences. The Royals are trying to move to a community, and the Chiefs are not. But in terms of the financial you-want-to-pay-for-things, they are asking the exact same. I think the Royals' plan is far more above and beyond than what the Chiefs' plan is. The vibe that I got from the Chiefs plan is this sales tax is going to be extended for the sports teams in Jackson County. Oh, wait, we're one of the sports teams in Jackson County. So we're about to get an influx of money that or not influx, but we're going to continue to get this money. We got to give them something. That's what they did. They're giving you something. They're putting some new bathrooms in there. They're putting some new concession stands. They are not doing anything that is aside from what you would presume a normal stadium renovation would be. Let me, let me, this, this is what every team did. Right now, if every team said, we want $500 million to renovate our stadium, they would do exactly what the Chiefs are doing if they're not planning on moving to a new stadium. They're going to make the lines shorter. They're going to make the lines faster. They're going to make the bathrooms nicer. They're going to make the concourse a little nicer. These are standard renovation things. And again, I'm not saying they are bad. I don't really have many issues with their plan for Arrowhead. My, I guess my frustration is today was the day I thought, I thought they were going to announce their plan for the area, for the district, for the complex. I was not excited about their plan for the complex. You making improvements to the training facility does nothing for the game day experience. What are you going to do outside the stadium to improve? Hey, the moment that you pay your $60 to come to a Chiefs game, you pay to park, is how are you improving that? I didn't hear a lot of significant improvements today, at least not proposed. Let me, let me rephrase it. I may not ask as a question. I think the Royals went out of their way to explain how what they are going to do with this extension of the sales tax not only benefits them, because obviously getting a new stadium benefits them, they went above and beyond to try to explain how it benefits everyone. 
The crossroads continues to get revitalized. We now have a bridge that leads to the stadium and power and light entertainment district. We have all this parking around. It's going to continue to bolster the area. Another hotel, another event space. It is going to make Jackson County better. The Chiefs today said, this is going to help us. Because I would say the Chiefs plan does not benefit Jackson County other than the Chiefs are staying. Because the events they put on out there help the Chiefs. But there was no roof for a Super Bowl or a Final Four. There was no small concert venue next door where they could be like, hey, we can't get Taylor Swift at Arrowhead, but at, you know, Kingdom Grill or whatever, we can get BB Rexa or whoever. There was none of that. There was none of the, hey, we're going to improve the practice facility to have training camp here. That didn't happen today. There were no hotels, shops, bars, nothing. The Chiefs' plan was, we're going to take your money and we're going to make our stuff better the royals were we're going to take your money make our stuff better but also by making our stuff better we're going to improve the county the chiefs did not seem to sell any connection to how the county improved the county money text line 913-586-7610 see i think both owners want the vote to fail i think sherman needs a no vote from jackson county to go do what he really wants with his north kansas city or johnson county and i think clark wants all of the jackson county money I could just not be more firmly on the other side of this text. John Sherman from day one has communicated that he wants the stadium in downtown Kansas City. At every single turn, he has communicated they want the stadium in downtown Kansas City. I think that's his goal. I think that the North Kansas City and the Johnson County is a plan B. And if the vote on April 2nd fails, the Royals are not staying in Jackson County. They are moving. I don't think that the Chiefs wanted to fail either. And I guess maybe where I am maybe most in disagreement with the text line on this issue is, and it's I understand it's just a small minority of people, where I may be on the other side is, I don't think that there is a vote number two for the Chiefs coming if this thing fails. And a lot of people on the text line just seem to have a belief Hey, if this doesn't fail for the Chiefs, it's not that big of a deal. I think it's a really big deal if it fails. The Chiefs, I think, have been pretty steadfast on we are not building a new stadium, at least not in Jackson County. Our number one goal, our number one intention is to renovate Arrowhead. They are telling you their plan on renovating Arrowhead, at least at this time. Now, Maybe they get this renovation 20, 25 years from now passes. We are having a completely different conversation because then at that point, Arrowhead's, what, 70 years old, 80 years old? Then maybe they're having a conversation about it. But I at least firmly believe that the vote on April 2nd is a vote on if you want the teams to remain in Jackson County. I do not believe that the vote is... Well, the Royals are going to move, and then in six months, the Chiefs are going to really give us their plan, and then that's the one we can really vote on. I just don't believe that, and I am surprised how many people have texted that in that they really believe this, and I, I, I've been saying this. Just give me some examples of other American cities that this has happened, that the public has voted no on something, and then the team turned around and then just redid the same vote, and then the community voted yes on this. A lot of times they go looking. And if you thought that the Kansas rumor and smoke, because you remember they tried it for a little bit. It was real quick. Mark Donovan did it. If you think them dangling the Kansas carrot in front of you was a small thing, 
if this thing is no, I'm telling you it will be the number one story. It is not going to be that the Royals, or excuse me, that the Chiefs are going back to the drawing board and trying to figure out what a new plan is. They will have renderings of a Johnson County Stadium at that point. And he said they didn't have a plan B. Don't worry. They will get a call from the governor of Kansas almost instantly, and they will have a financial package that is significantly better than the one in Jackson County to try to lure the team over there because of the massive benefit of having the team in your areas. Now, that's something me and you are in lockstep on. I've seen on the text line, I've texted some people back and pushed back on it. It's not worth fighting every fight. I do not believe the Royals and Chiefs are going to have this vote on April 2nd, and if the no happens, the Chiefs are going to be like, no harm, no foul. We'll try again without the Royals. See you later, alligator. I think if the vote is a no, you're going to see two things happen. One, Clay County conversation is going to heat up back to where it was pre the Jackson County thing. Remember, the mayor of North KC just kept popping off, and everyone had the location. I think that will be number one that happens. Number two is, I think you're going to see lots of Kansas renderings. I think you're going to see two different counties in Kansas send renderings. I think you'll see a Johnson and Wyandotte County rendering. And it is going to be, hey, look at the financial benefit Kansas has. It is easier on the Chiefs. Clark Hunt and co. will have a decision. Do we stay here, a county that's voted against our renovations, or go somewhere where there's a better deal, which would be Kansas? Me and you agree here. The Chiefs are not getting a no and then doing their own thing, venturing out of their own to get a yes. That's not happening. I'm reading it right now. This renovation is dumb. The Chiefs are prime. We need a new stadium. I don't care where it is. I don't think that the renovation is dumb. Like I, I, I don't think that. I believe Clark. I believe Clark's number one preference is to stay exactly where they are. And I also just think, hey, it's time now for you to chip back in and keeping this thing exactly where it is. That the people of Kansas City, the people that attend, talk about how much they love the experience of being at Arrowhead. Well, there is a cost attached to it. It is a three-eighths of a cent sales tax. And if you love the game day environment at Arrowhead, they are giving you a tax that will keep exactly what you love. Here is, here is the cover charge to get into the club. Here's the cover. It's three-eighths of a cent sales tax, and we are happy to throw in a little bit of money, but a majority of this money, just it's going to be $800 million for the renovation. We're going to chip in our $300. we are going to chip in our part. I mean, we're going to do something. We're not going to let you do all the work there. We're going to chip in a little bit. But this is the cover charge to keeping the stadium exactly where it is and keeping the best game day environment in the NFL intact. How much is that worth to you? That's what I think the Chiefs came out and said today. So I want to be clear at least where my stance is on what the Chiefs announced today. I think it is fine. I don't think that it is. It was not a knockout of the park. It was not a home run. Any of those. It was none of those things. I think it was fine. It is what you do to renovate a stadium. Rob, you're a KU fan. When they announced renovations, it was better Wi-Fi, better air conditioning, better concession stands. This is what renovations for stadiums look like. But you were never going to drastically change Allen Fieldhouse. That, that's, you don't want it to be drastically different if you're a KU fan. I want it to remain familiar. I think they gave you a familiar option. That's not my issue. My issue is across the street. And I thought at least today they were going to give us a, oh, my. I thought they were going to give you a, wow, that's a really, really good idea. They're really creating the Chiefs kingdom. I didn't get that today from them. And I... I'm a little bit disappointed as a Jackson County voter with their plan today. That's a 
That's a fantastic analogy. And I'll I'll take you and go further because obviously people know KU is renovating both Allen Fieldhouse and their football stadium. The football stadium renovation renderings were the wow factor. They were the, oh, you're totally overhauling. This is awesome. What a big moment. Allen Fieldhouse was, yeah, we're, you're going to get Wi-Fi. You might be able to sports bet better. We might give you a bar. But mostly it's not going to be so hot and you'll get wider concourses. And KU fans were elated by both. I think where it's different for the Chiefs and Royals is the Chiefs did the Allen Fieldhouse thing. Hey, we're improving everything. You're welcome. The Royals did the Memorial Stadium thing. Hey, here's the wow factor. The difference is KU fans looked at both projects and said, we love both, no notes. Jackson County voters, or at least Chiefs and Royals fans on the text line, maybe that's a better way to say it, looked at both the Royals and Chiefs plan and went, Chiefs, perfect, no notes. Royals, boo, hiss, we're not paying for a billionaire stadium. We hate it. We hate this, that, and the other. The thing that was the obvious bigger wow factor got a bigger negative reaction, which is where I think it's different than the KU renovations compared to the Chiefs and Royals. Coming up at the top of the hour, I do want to talk about Chief Saholic and Chief Saholic has pled guilty. Sound like he going to jail for he going to jail for a little bit. You know, he going he going to jail for a while. He ain't getting out no time soon, Chief Saholic, which is um probably the best for everybody. We'll talk about that coming up in just a bit. Rob, we didn't talk about this yesterday. We have a little bit of time left. So, you know what? There's three minutes for me to get this takeoff. I'm disappointed in LeBron James. I'm disappointed in LeBron for this reason. So I I don't know if you saw this or not. His son has been taken off of the mock drafts. I don't know how they had his son as a lottery pick before the season. That seemed pretty ambitious. But his son is now off the first round. His son is off the second round, and it makes a lot of sense. He has not had a great freshman year for a lot of different reasons. This is where I think LeBron is trying to play both ends against the middle. You can't openly talk about your son as an NBA prospect the way that he has and then be mad when we talk about your son as an NBA prospect. I went back and I watched this interview a couple uh, days ago where LeBron was sitting there and the interviewer, I can't remember who it was, asked him and his wife, what's your goal for your son? Savannah, his wife, gave a, a standard, typical mom answer. I want to be happy and healthy in whatever he does. LeBron says, I want him to go to the NBA. He then did a cover with both of his sons and talked about, hey, I'd love to play in the NBA against both of them. I think that me and Bronny could be a Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. kind of thing. You remember when the All-Star game was in Cleveland, he talked about how he wanted to play with his son. Earlier this basketball season, when he was at USC, he tweeted that Bronny was better than guys already in the league. He also said that he thought LeBron James Jr. could play right now for the Los Angeles Lakers. You can't do all of those things, and then the moment that we start to talk about him as an NBA prospect, then play the, oh, well, he's a kid, let him be a kid. Nah, man, you got to pick which one you want it to be. And part of the reason why we talk about your son in the way that we do is because of you. I'm not questioning your parenting or any of those things, but you have discussed your son as an NBA prospect, so I just don't know how you expect us to talk about him. He's an NBA prospect. He's not a great one. That's not saying he can't be. He's a freshman. He's a 6'3 point guard that isn't super athletic and is shooting 32%. Maybe he develops, continues to work on his game. He had a health incident, a health scare. I'm not saying LeBron James Jr. can't be a good basketball player. He obviously can. He is a 18-year-old. 
But I think LeBron is trying to play both sides where you can't say you compared him to Ken Griffey Jr. You can't do that and then be mad when mock drafts discuss him as an NBA prospect. Coming up at the top of the hour, let's talk about Chief Saholic, who is going away for a long time. Keep it right here, Sidra. All right, let's talk about Chief Saholic just for a little bit. I don't want to talk for too long about it. I know that I have made my jokes about it. I know that other people have made jokes about it. But there is a very serious nature to this story that I do think has to be discussed. So for those of you that are just tuning in to kind of the news and are now kind of updated with everything that is happening today with Chief Saholic. So today, Chief Saholic pled guilty to charges related to 11 bank robberies in seven states money laundering he was laundering the money through area casinos he faced up to 50 years in prison he must pay almost a half million dollars in restitution and what probably hurts him the most is he paid for an autograph painting of Patrick Mahomes at a 15 in Mahomes charity function he now has to give that painting back The serious part of this is, and why I do think it's very damaging to kind of joke about it in the way that people have is, there was a news release, and this part, quote, Chief Saholic, or the man Xavier, he pressed the firearm against the teller's body and demanded that credit union employees take him to the vault. He came back and said, He told the credit union employees that if he was given a dye pack, he would come back and put a bullet in your head. There is a very, very serious part of this story, too, that goes beyond a Chiefs super fan who was riding around the country robbing banks in order to go to Chiefs games. This man was threatening people's lives to keep up an appearance that he had it when he did not have it at all. That's a very, very serious thing. Chiefs Aholic is going to jail and should be going to jail for a very, very long time. I do want to play this for you. This was his lawyer today after him pleading guilty. And you know what? They should probably put this man in jail too. Listen to this. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today... Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chief's Kingdom 
He loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Thank you, and God bless. Bro, ain't nobody got your back on this issue, dog. He wants you to know you love Kansas City and the Chiefs kingdom. Boy, don't nobody know you. We don't care. Who is he talking to? Who is that message for? Who is he shouting out? He wants you to know. I I don't need that message. Return to sender. He's passing that message to me. I don't want it. I don't know you, you thief, you criminal. All I know is that. Lock his ass up. What happened was very serious. But when your lawyer goes out there and says the pocket is collapsing based (laughs) on a blitz from the government and he stumbled, but his knee did not go down. I'm supposed to take what's happening seriously and not make jokes. I get that. All I'm saying is. This man threatened the lives of innocent people, threatened the lives of innocent people so he could keep up appearances on social media and act like he had it when he didn't have it. That's my biggest issue with Chiefs Kingdom or with Chiefs Aholic, excuse me. That's my issue with Chiefs Aholic is that you also don't get bonus points for accountability when you you got out. Remember, he got out on bail. He was out. He was free. He then continued robbing banks. You're a bank robber. That's what you do. I'm not giving you any credit today for pleading guilty. You want to know why? The feds got you by the balls. Sorry for the language. That's what they got you by. And you are in federal custody. Not local custody, federal custody. They know that they are about to nail you. They know that. This plea is your only shot. Now, you're probably not doing the 50. You're not going to do the whole 50. You're going to do 15. You're going to do 20. You holding some of this weight and a lot of it, too. But what they got you on, you was on a bank robbing tour. You robbed banks in seven states. You you robbed 11 banks. So think about it. They not even got you on the you threatened people's lives. They got you on that. They got you. My boy, you had six wanted stars on GTA. You're going to jail for a long time, and you should be. He comes to you humble and repentant. You was robbing banks when he was out on parole. You tried to skip town. They found you in Sacramento with stolen money on you. I'm not giving you any credit for that. Do you think that Chief Saholic hired that guy? Do you think that that lawyer was, do you think that's a public defender lawyer or do you think that Chief Saholic hired him with the last little bit of money he got? Because remember, he hit big when Patrick Mahomes won MVP last year. He also hit it big on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Do you think he hired that man to be his lawyer? Because whenever you sit down and you talk to a lawyer and you kind of like going through, hey, if you're going to hire this person, there's no way you thought that guy was going to get you a good deal. Like if, if that if right then at that point, I would have just go ahead. No, you know what? I plead. You should have played guilty right then at that point. Yeah, I, I think he hired that guy. I don't think it's a public defender. I don't know a public defender would use that many overt football terms in a press conference. I think a public defender would be like, hey, my client pled guilty. 
We're working on getting uh, his sentence down from the 50 years. Here's the logistics of the case. Thank you and walk away because public defenders have 9,000 cases to deal with. A guy who has the time to write a blitz package analogy, a knee not down analogy, thank the chief's kingdom and do all this is likely a paid employee because he's trying to milk it for all it's worth. Not a public defender. I'm not denying that people probably use the casino to launder money like that, you know, makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Like it's a kind of cash and carry business in some ways. But I mean, have you like read the, what he was doing where he was like sitting down at slot machines and was like putting money in there, playing for a little bit and then pressing the cash out button and then like trying to, you know, like rinse the money that way. Like, bro, like, of all the places you can go, how many cameras you think they got at the casino? <laughs> like, I I don't know how you thought this was a good idea. I don't know how how you thought you were getting away with this. I mean, there's a lot of things about that, this story that made me think. How, what did he think the end game was? He's thinking he's going to keep walking away scot-free forever? Uh, I mean, you can make that argument with a lot of people that commit crimes. I mean... You and I both love gangsters and mob movies. I mean, they normally end one of two ways. It's not like Scarface walks away and like, man, you know what? This is really harmful for the community. You know what? I'm going to stop doing this. Like, I, I mean, you you kind of got to know at some point, like eventually, you know, to, to keep the casino analogy. I mean, you know when you're playing craps, eventually the seven's going to like, nobody leaves right before the seven. Like, you know, it's coming at some point. You just want to try to get as much money as you can before the seven rolls. If you live in that kind of life where you robbing banks and you out here flashing all this kind of money, you got to know the alphabet boys is coming. You got to know it at some point. And I, he, I mean, I would guess he, he accomplished a lot of things that he wanted to accomplish. He wanted us to know who he was. I, we know. I mean, one day someone will make a movie about his story. It, it is a movie. Homeless kid grew up in poor beginnings, grew up to love a football team, rob banks, and went to jail. I've, you and I have seen movies with way worse plot lines than that one. His life is a movie. He got what he wanted. He wanted his 15 minutes of fame, and now he's going to be doing karaoke at the prison open mic night. So good luck to him. I, uh, I hope that it works out for Chief Saholic. I mean, if you wanted Patrick Mahomes to know who you are, oh, he knows. He knows. Travis Kelsey, he knows who you are. You accomplished a lot of the things that you wanted to accomplish. You got your 15 minutes, and now it's now it's over. Coming up on the other side, let's talk about MVS. Let's talk about MVS. Who we got next coming up? My bad. I thought it was at 430. My apologies. My time was a little bit off. Coming up on the other side, my apologies. We're going to head to the phone lines to be joined by Harold Kuntz. He was at the press conference earlier today. We'll get his thoughts on the Chiefs and what their plan is for Arrowhead. That's coming up. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Trent McDuffie. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Coming up on the other side, a lot of you want to talk about the owner's report from the NFL players today. We'll do that coming up in a bit. I want to head to the phone lines right now. I think this is the first time that this person has been a guest on the show. He might be the first friend of the show who has actually never been on the show before. Harold Kuntz of Fox 4. Harold, how you doing today, my man? 
Well, thanks for having me on, Carrington. I've only known you for about six years. How's your family? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I actually was thinking this today when Rob came to me and was like, hey, let's get somebody who was at the press conference. And I was like, Harold, he was at the press conference today. And then it hit me that you've never been on the show before. Well, you know, there's a first time for everything, right? So, <laughs> but thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Let's just start with this. What was your biggest takeaway from the press conference today that the Chiefs had? Yeah, it, it, I, I feel like just kind of listening to a couple of people and then talking to Rob beforehand, it, it, it's a little underwhelming, it seems. Uh, it feels like you're just putting a fresh coat of paint on what's already there. I do understand the whole concrete cancer and you got to get a decent pour of concrete there. But there's still so much to figure out with the way the funds are, the Hunt family putting in $300 million, the $500 million probably coming from state funds, but of course Governor Parsons out. Where is that going to come from? Not just the three-fourths in cell tax because that's going to go to future uh, repairs and everything that goes forward to that. It's not even done till 2031. That's another thing we're not even talking about. And plus, you've just got basically a field that's replacing Coppin Stadium. It, it seems pretty underwhelming to start, I, I must admit. The analogy that I made is, I mean, the Royals are asking for a brand new phone and the Chiefs are asking for a software update. And I get it. There is a massive difference in trying to renovate a stadium versus buying a new stadium. I don't really have any problem with the Chiefs and their renovation for Arrowhead. I just thought that they had a much bigger plan for now having the Truman Sports Complex to themselves, where if they were going to make this announcement today, I wanted a big wow on what their plan was, where Kauffman Stadium was. And their plan, the idea, at least what they communicated today, was just very ho-hum. Yeah, to build off your analogy, you said they're asking for a new phone. The Royals are. The Chiefs are kind of going from an iPhone 12 to an iPhone 14. That's kind of what it felt like to build off your analogy. Yeah, it, w- it was very ho-hum. Um, when you look back at it, uh, we know that there needs to be restoration. We know that they're making money. That's why they've got the end zone suites. That's, the, that's why they emphasize. The more and more I watched it, the more and more I'm like, oh, you're emphasizing money. You're emphasizing suites. You're emphasizing concession stands. You're emphasizing cover up in the top deck so you can go get those concession stands. You're emphasizing more bathrooms so more people can go, so you can sell more tickets, so you can sell more money. You're, you're emphasizing money here. And a lot of the genesis is when they visit Vegas, when they visit L.A., which they have to visit every year to AFC West, they know they're visiting brand-new state-of-the-art stadiums with people making a bunch of money out of it and people that want to visit, so they're trying to take off of that. I get that. But at what point are you thinking about the consumer that's going to be like, all right, you want the iconic shape, that's great, you can keep it. But this was a missed opportunity to put more development out there. A lot of questions today were focused on, well, why not a hotel? Well, why not some eating options? We know how it is out there. There's nothing out there except the, the burned down Denny's and the subway and the Casey's put a new sign up just today. So it's like there's nothing out there unless you got to go out to Independence or Raytown. So that's where my biggest focus was. What are you doing with that area outside of just serving it to your own purpose? And they're not serving any purpose out there outside of just basically taking up space with more parking spots. Yeah, no, not at all. Right now we're talking to Harold Kuntz of Fox 4 joining us on the show today. And that's where I'm I'm not surprised because the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. They won three Super Bowls. They're a dynasty. But I'm looking at the Royals, and they're taking a lot of heat and a lot of arrows. When I mean, they're talking about putting a billion dollars down and building an entire entertainment district and hotels and restaurants. Like the Royals really want to create an experience, and they are willing to put up a significant amount of money for it. I mean, I'm looking at the Chiefs; they are doing the bare minimum in these renovations, and they are getting a pass for it. And both sides are spending public money. The Royals are putting a lot of their own money up. I'm not seeing the Chiefs match that same energy. 
Yeah, it's interesting. The same time the NFLPA report comes out and Clark Hunt has a very, very low rating out there. And a lot of the things that point to it is usually, well, he's not spending enough money for the players, facilities, what have you. And this seems like another case of he's not spending the money. I mean, I asked him about, okay, why did you decide $300 million? Well, the percentage is the same percentage I did when the restoration 20 years ago. I'm like, well, sir, there's inflation. There's a couple other things that exist in this process that now are going to be into the 2030s when this project is uh, proposed to be done. So uh, it's very interesting how the Royals are like basically making a new neighborhood. They're making a ballpark village a la St. Louis. I mean, they're making a new neighborhood, obviously, from the crossroads. There's other businesses there that are going to be affected. But they're making a new neighborhood. The Chiefs, to me, are not making a new neighborhood. They're not making anything new. You're still going to Arrowhead. You're still going to what the Truman Sports Complex is, Sands Kaufman Stadium. You're still getting the Arrowhead experience of tailgating just with more parking. It, it, it just doesn't really lead to much. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about this off air. How confident are you in this vote being passed? It feels like it's maybe more split, but then I wonder if that's just a vocal minority of people I, if I had to guess right now, I'm going to guess that this passes at maybe 65, 35, but I might have a completely wrong feel about this. Where's your kind of feeling as we head into this vote? And we're probably what, 35, 40 days out. Yeah, I'm, I'm about where you are. I'm about 65, 35, 60, 40, give or take. It does seem to be the a vocal minority there, but one thing is interesting. If something happens where they don't win, both both parties have said they do not have a plan B. Uh, I mean, I've talked to John Sherman about this. He doesn't have a plan B. And just today, Mark Donovan, they said they don't have a plan B. So it's really interesting what's going on there if this was not cha- uh, not the vote in, in the no. But they are very positive about the yes. They seem to be very positive. And I think at the end of the day, people are going to vote for as Mark Donovan said, hey, we're going to look at other options. There's a lot of people that are afraid it'll go to Kansas. It'll afraid the, uh, it'll go to Clay County, what, what have you. It just won't be in Jackson County. A lot of people are afraid of that. And I think at the end of the day, the voter was likely going to uh, vote yes on this, just really just because of the pride of Jackson County. Yeah, that's kind of what I think in this, too. And I think like maybe one kind of disagreement that I have with the text line on this issue is a lot of people think that, hey, if this thing passes, no, then the Chiefs are going to come back in 24 months and we're just going to start this all process over. I don't think that's how this is going to go. And as somebody that lives in Jackson County, I firmly believe that a yes vote is you want the teams to stay and your no vote means that you are fine with either the Royals moving to Kansas or moving to North Kansas City and 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 the Chiefs putting their stadium out by the legends. Yeah, we've seen this before in many different places. I mean, look within the AFC West with uh, both of those ownership groups moving from Oakland to Las, uh, Las Vegas and from San Diego to L.A. I mean, San Diego straight says, oh, you're not buying a stadium? See you later. So that's really what the blueprint is for this from an owner's perspective. They're going to leave. Um, I mean, even in my lifetime, I've seen Houston move to Nashville. It's like, it's it's – it's it's bound to happen if they if they vote no. So again, I go back to what I was saying about how if you vote yes, obviously you're voting to stay in Jackson County. It's about the pride of Jackson County, really, when it comes to April second, and that's really what's on display. They're going to sell you on the pride. They may not sell you on the economics, but outside of we'll figure it all out later, um, which is not a great sign. I mean, Frank White was there today. I mean, every dignitary possible in Kansas City was at this thing today including uh, Royals owner John Sherman and Brooke Sherman and their brass. I mean, John Sherman, he said, he admitted, he's like, I've only seen like one or two of these pictures before, but I haven't seen all of it. So uh, until this morning, he's like, I think it's a good plan, but he's also kind of taking the, he's also like, hmm, 
a little bit of a weight is off of my shoulders now, <laughs> now that I see what you got. So, cause I'm proposing a new district and you guys are just proposing kind of a reimagined arrowhead. So yeah, it's uh it's an, it's an interesting situation with everybody there. The legislators didn't feel like they were too confident going, leaving out of it. But again, it's in the, it's in the people's hands on April 2nd and they're just going to sell you on, on civic pride. And they hope that reaches them over the top. Right now, we're talking to Harold Kuntz of Fox 4. He was at the press conference today with the Kansas City Chiefs as they unveil some of their plans for the renovation out at Arrowhead and the Truman Sports Complex. Harold, I've been disappointed at the campaign from both teams. Like, if you're the Royals, and I believe that this is John Sherman's baby, this is his brainchild, that when he bought this team a few years ago, the plan was to build the the Royals a state-of-the-art stadium in downtown Kansas City. I feel like if this is your dream, they should have a much more coordinated effort to try to get this thing passed. Same thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. I've been very confused by the communication that the teams have had and just the overall lack of buzz to try to get people excited to go vote yes on this thing. Yeah, that's why we talk about that vocal minority, right? Uh, the KC Tenants, I feel like I've heard from them more than I've heard from the teams outside of their presentation of stadiums. Uh, when it comes to like advertising, I mean, the Royals had a commercial during the Super Bowl, but you might have just learned that they just had a commercial during the Super Bowl because it was two breaks before the Super Bowl actually began, before the National Anthem. They didn't actually put it in a spot that would have been prime real estate during the game, which would have made everybody – talk about it a lot more they haven't done anything of that nature and in the chiefs well their campaign we don't know about what's going on we've got all of the month of march to figure out what they're going to do maybe they're going to spruce things up we don't know that yet it'll be seen in a little while when they really try to make things up but you can't just start like a vote yes on jackson county twitter handle and just expect everybody to follow and retweet everything that's just not how it works through social media it's not how it works how it works through life so it's just going to be a matter of like do they have to put out there? I mean, that's on them if they want to win. But, again, they're exuding a lot of confidence right now. But, you know, there's been a lot of favorites who exude confidence against underdogs, and then they lose. So they, it's on, the onus is on them. The ball is squarely in their court to try to convince people what it is. There needs to be exact figures and, and dollar signs. With the, the only exact figures we really got today, the only exact figures we know out of the Chiefs right now is $300 million that the Hunts are paying, $800 million that's going to be the cost of the project, which we know is going to go more than $800 million because – all these projects do, and then the three eight cent sell tax, which has been around forever, and which is an extension. And sometimes they haven't even made it clear that it is an extension. Keep people sometimes keep thinking like I'll talk to people, and they keep thinking it's still new. Um, it, it's an extension, so it's up to them. It's not our job to make their job easier. It's literally their job to say like, hey, we're convincing you you're doing this, and we're convincing you that this is not going to cost too much of your tax dollar. Harold, are you surprised that they're not putting a roof over it? No, I'm, I'm not. Um, I mean, a lot of people proposed think think roof was the way to go because obviously so much more you can do with it with a concert standpoint, Final Fours, uh, potential Super Bowl. But uh, I, I just don't think the I, I don't think it would be worth it. Honestly, they they enjoy the competitive advantage of pay, playing in Arrowhead. You know, like it's still one of the few stadiums in the NFL, when you think of stadiums in the NFL that still have a competitive advantage, you think of like Lambeau Field, you think of Arrowhead, you think of a couple others. Everyone seems to be neutral and entertainment-based. Um, now, I know that's what they're trying to change it to, at least from the lower level with the with the end zone suites and everything. But at the end of the day, there's still a competitive advantage to football for it. And again, their quarterback right now likes to play outside. He likes to play on grass. So what are you going to do? You're going to make sure number 15 is happy, right? So 
that's why I'm not really surprised by it. I know long-term it would have been a good play, but I think the better play is make it better for them if they want to do concerts or anything of that nature where they're not trying to rip up the entire field or anything of that nature. We forget there's a World Cup to prepare for, and they've got $50 million of renovation for that. They've got some money from the state for that, but they've got to do that. And then on top of that, build for 31. So there's going to be a lot of changes in store. I just don't think the dome or dome concert or covered concept was going to really benefit them in the long term. Harold, I got two very random questions to ask you. Number one, where are you going to park at for the KC current games? <laughs> well, this is good because you know where I live. So I might just walk. <laughs> Harold, my last, my last question is, Let's say that you and I go to a baseball game. We've never gone to a baseball game. What do you put on your hot dogs? Man, I've never hung out with Hope Harrison at the hot. Uh, for getting a hot dog this year, Hope we got to go to one. We got to do that one day for sure. Um, you know what? This is going to sound terrible. Um, I'll do mayonnaise and relish, or just nothing at all. You know what, Harold? I don't think we're going to a Royals game. Thanks, man. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I appreciate hey, uh, it. I'll talk to you in six years. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> That's my guy, Harold Coates, joining us on the show today. I can't be seen with that guy out in public. Come on now. Rob, that man said mayonnaise and relish. Absolutely not. Please keep Harold Coates away from me. <laughs> keep him away from my family. That man's been over to my home before. I wish I could uninvite him. No, please don't come over. Never again. I never want to watch football with you again. That was a disgusting answer. All right, Rob, let's talk about this uh, player survey. So I, I maybe the easiest and fastest way to describe this on the radio is I, I imagine at your job they do this. So at our job, Rob, we have a survey that we can fill out that is completely anonymous on how we feel about working at Odyssey. They ask us a bunch of questions, and they tell you to be as honest as you can. So you answer it, right? Maybe you have this at your job. I've never worked anywhere else, so I, I can't answer how it is at other jobs. I'm just telling you what we do at our job. They do that. With the NFL Players Association. The NFL Players Association asks all of its players certain questions about what it's like to work for all the teams, and then they make the information public. The Chiefs did not grade very well on a lot of the things. They got an F minus when it came to ownership. They got an F minus, which I didn't even know was an acceptable grading scale. There was another story in there that is. I'm not going to lie. It's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny. So the NFL Players Association president, J.C. Treader, said that Chiefs owner Clark Hunt was the lowest greatest NFL owner because there was a lack of follow through on promises. For example, the NFL Players Association president said that the team was promised a renovated locker room. Now, I've seen a lot of people confused about this. They renovated the game day locker room. But as you would guess, they're not over there a whole bunch. They only use it on game day. So they renovated that one. That's the one you see with the pictures. It's a really nice one. The one that they are in all the time for practice. The one where you've seen an interview happen with the player on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday. That happens in their regular locker room that's at the practice facility. So the team told the Chiefs players that they were going to renovate this. When they returned the following season after winning the Super Bowl, 
All they had were new chairs. The players were told that the team went too far in the playoffs and they didn't have time to renovate the locker room. This is why I'm maybe surprised at the response to this. You guys don't care about this. Like, let's be honest. I don't believe that the average fan cares about the treatment of professional athletes and its players, especially not in the NFL. How many times have we had a conversation about a player taking less than market value in a team-friendly deal? Hey, your market is really this, but you know what would be really great? If you just accepted less in salary. I mean, some of the things in these stories are pretty bad. Like the Washington Commanders, that the players complain multiple times about smelling sewage in their locker room. Multiple times complained about this. I think it's just like most people at their job. There are certain perks that you expect, and you get kind of frustrated when you don't get them. But it only really makes sense to the people that are in this field. I just don't think the average fan cares about this. This is a story that we'll talk about for today, and then tomorrow we'll move on. The Chiefs are the best on-the-field product in the National Football League. I don't think that you care about the way their locker room is set up. I mean, I've been inside their locker room. It's pretty podunk. It's incredibly average. Like, it is as bare bones as it could possibly be. I do think that some of this also is college or, I guess, pro players come from colleges, and their locker rooms are incredible. They kind of have to be incredible. You make all of this money. You can't pay the players directly, so you got to do something. All right, hey, we're going to give them better chairs and better things at college. And, like, have you seen some of their facilities? You went to KU, Rob. I mean, their locker room is substantially better than the Chiefs' locker room. The, 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 it's substantially better. It kind of has to be. I'm just, I'm surprised that people care about this story because I just think we have a lot of examples that I don't think the average fan really cares about NFL players in a human sense. They are a commodity. They play on your favorite team and either they help your team win or they are a detriment and you got to get out of town, trade that guy, get rid of that guy. So in a survey where NFL players are like, hey, you know what, our work conditions, they're maybe not the greatest I just don't think the average fan cares about this stuff. I don't disagree, but I think why this story is catching with the public more this year than last year, because by the way, the Chiefs scored very poorly last year too. A lot of people may not remember that. Clark Hunt specifically. It's worth noting this survey does ownership and coaching. Andy Reid was the highest rated coach. He scored the best anyone can score. Clark Hunt scored the worst anyone can score. I think the reason this one is catching more like wildfire, at least on social media, than last year is it's on the same day where Clark Hunt went from the media and said, I need public money. And he went from the media and said, I'm willing to give $300 million, but not a, not a dime more. I need 500 of public money to fix my stadium. I think the timeline of events kind of screwed the Chiefs in the news cycle because this releases, and then he goes ask for public money. I think that's why this story caught because – you're right. Fans love a team-friendly deal or a player taking less to support the hometown team. 
those kind of things don't usually score well with the NFLPA. And we heard it yesterday from Nate Taylor. He was talking about contracts. The Chiefs are willing to pay top dollar for one position. That's the only thing they pay top dollar for. It's quarterback. That, based on this survey, permeates beyond just player contracts. But I think Joe Nalatha doesn't care. He only cared this year because there was that story and then 10 minutes later a press conference of, I need public money to renovate my stadium. And I, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that Joe Nalatha cares about this story tomorrow at the exact same time. I think this is a 24-hour. I don't think that fans care about these things. Not long-term. We've seen some really bad fields in the National Football League that you shouldn't be asking players to go out there and play on. It's a one-day story, and then it moves on. Rob, the field wasn't good in last year's Super Bowl. (laughs) The biggest game of the year got 150 million people watching. The field is not up to par. Now, this is where I don't think it is the fans' problem, and I I don't blame them for this. It is not our responsibility to fight for your work conditions. It's your responsibility to fight for your work conditions. If you're unhappy about the field, fight for it. If you guys are tired of Thursday night football, fight for it. Like the NFL player, I do think there is only a measure. The most of us don't have the power in the job to come together to do certain things, right? Like, we don't have the ability to, me and you say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Then Odyssey come to us and be like, oh, you know what? You're right. We're going to change the policy. NFL players do have the ability to do that, and they choose not to do it. So you guys can continue to complain about Thursday night football. You choose to play Thursday night football. You choose to play on these fields. And if you didn't want to do it, then you guys need to come together to speak up because you are the reason we are watching these games. I'm not watching these games because of Clark Hunt. I'm not watching these games because Jerry Jones is the owner. I'm watching it because Patrick Mahomes is playing and Travis Kelsey is playing and Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey. So if you guys aren't willing to fight for better work conditions, what in the hell do you want me to do? So circling back to the report, there is a way to make fans care about this year, the players. If you're a free agent, you should not sign with the Chiefs, and you should cite the report. Y'all, I'm not sitting in that locker room with you know, horrible chairs. It's dinky. And if that started happening, the fan sentiment would turn. But, Carrington, me and you both know that's not how it works. Money talks. This offseason, the Chiefs are going to sign a high-value free agent. They did it with Juwan Taylor. They did it with Tyron Matthew. They've done it every offseason. They're going to sign a high-value free agent. And then it's going to... No one's going to care. But if they failed to, and the reports were they failed to because the locker room was so dinky, maybe fans would start to care. But until you see actual, I'm not doing that because of this, no one cares about this story. And I think if you started to see that, sentiment on stories like this would change. Conversations around this would drastically differ. It's, wait, Patrick Mahomes can't play with... Juju Smith-Schuster because he thinks the locker room's stupid based on a survey? Well, let's fix this. How do we make this better for everyone? Text line 913-586-7610. CDOT, you make it sound like fans in general applaud the mistreatment of NFL players. I don't think it's fair to say that fans simply don't care about NFL players. I 100% feel that way. I'm not saying, I don't think that fans applaud the mistreatment of NFL players, but I do think that there is a very overwhelming sentiment You guys make a lot of money. We don't want to hear you complain about anything. Because anytime these things come up, it's, well, I make $70,000 a year. I don't complain about these things. 
Today, there was a story about the Los Angeles Chargers, how the Chargers team charges the players for daycare, how they are the only team in the NFL that does it. In the replies to it, it was, well, I pay this much in child care. I pay this much in child care. I absolutely believe that's the case. I don't think that the average person cares. You make a million dollars, shut up and deal with it. Think about with running back. Hey, I I make this argument all the time at running back. All of us at one point have felt like we are underpaid at our job. Hey, I work really hard to do everything I'm supposed to do. You go to your boss and ask for a rate. Your boss tells you no. Running back said that all last summer, the overwhelming consensus was shut up. You guys were a dime a dozen. You guys were replaceable. We don't care. Go back to work. And they're like, oh, well, I mean, I I guess we got to. So I, I do feel that way. I do genuinely feel like the average fan of the NFL does not care about the well-being of the players. Go out there and play. Shut up. Figure it out. You guys make enough money. You will be fine. So we will talk about this story for one day, and then tomorrow we will move on because that's kind of how we treat these topics in sports. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Back in on the drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com in the Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll get back to the top story, which is the Chiefs. They unveil some of their plans for the Truman Sports Complex. Here is Ian Rappaport on the Chiefs' plan for LeJarrius Need. Really interesting situation developing. So here's where it stands. The Chiefs have not officially tagged LeJarrius Need yet. They are expected to. But it is unclear as of right now whether or not he is going to be on the team. He does have permission, I'm told, to seek a trade. He does have permission to speak to teams. That a lot of times means either the Chiefs say, go gauge your value, or they say, you know what, maybe we'll do exactly what we did with Tyreek Hill and say, we love the player, his value is great, we have other great players, maybe trade him, use that money to pay Chris Jones and move on that way, it is a really intriguing way to move forward for the Chiefs. That was Ian Rappaport earlier today from the NFL Combine about what the Chiefs' plan is for LeJarrius Sneed. I will say, Rob, to where I'm kind of coming around on your side is, we've never heard a number thrown out for LeJarrius Sneed. Think about all the reports all the reporters, your Ian Rappaport, your Adam Schefters, your Albert Breer, your Matt Verderams, Jay Glaze. I mean, the best NFL reporters on the world. Have we ever heard a number that was thrown out there between the Chiefs and Legereus Need? Because at least it feels, it feels very, very similar to what happened to D Ford. Your value is greater than what we're going to get with the compensatory pick. We can't afford to, I don't know if lose you because we're happy to trade you, but we're not going to take 85 cents on the dollar. We're going to try to take as close to a dollar that we can. And the best way to do that is to keep the control and we'll work with you on where you want to be traded. Like, I don't think they would trade him to a place. He just absolutely doesn't want to go. 
but I don't know if that's that many teams in the NFL as long as they meet Legereus needs contract demands. But it is it is very noticeable to me in these conversations that we have very rarely heard a dollar amount in which the Chiefs have kept him. Because you remember when it came to Orlando Brown, I do think the Chiefs wanted to keep Orlando Brown. I thought the Chiefs kept putting information out there to be like, hey, look, hey, we offered him a contract. He just wouldn't sign it. Hey, we offered him. We want him to stay. He just doesn't want to sign the deal. I haven't seen or heard that report to Legereus Sneed that they offered him a deal and Sneed is the one saying no, at least not yet. I also think you continue to hear in these reports from Rappaport and Jordan Schultz had this earlier. The Chiefs are letting him look around, but Chris Jones remains a priority. They still want to get Chris Jones done first while Sneed looks around. I remain confident that the Chiefs' prime objective this offseason is 95. They want 95 on this team long-term under a contract. And I think the fact that Brett Veach on this show yesterday said, hey, previous negotiations, we can kind of pick up from where we left off. Jordan Schultz, who's a Bleacher Report, tweeted out that the tag is going to be used on Snead, but their priority remains Chris Jones. And even there, you heard Rapport at the end say, Legereus Snead is looking around. That's usually a sign that he's going to be traded while the Chiefs are focusing on Chris Jones. It seems like, at least based on the reporting, the Chiefs over one arrowhead drive, or at least today up in Indianapolis, are saying our top priority is 95, and we'll make it work with Legereus Need. If that means trading him, cool, but he is a back burner move. Yeah, I, I also hear it as they know they're not going to be able to keep both, and at least right now, this gives them an either-or option. Maybe you were unable to reach a long-term extension with Chris Jones. He hits free agency and he goes to play for the Chicago Bears. And now you have your fallback plan in luxurious need on a one-year contract. Or you sign Chris Jones to a long-term extension and then you reach a sign and trade with luxurious need. This does give you a little bit of flexibility to at least ensure on the outside looking in that you're not in a position in which you lose both because at least I don't see a scenario in which let's say they are unable to reach a deal with Chris Jones and he signs with another team. I then don't see them turning around and trading luxurious need and taking the draft pick compensation and going into next year without either one of those players on their team. I think the likelihood of them having neither player is actually very, very low. I believe that one of the two of them will be on the team and we'll find out over the next two weeks, which one of those players it is. I agree. I think they are using the tag as a protection, but I think, I think you're right. There's no scenario where they don't have both, but I think if you ask the chiefs, which one would you rather have the two because you are likely walking away with one of them, they would tell you we would much rather have 95 than 38, or at least their actions are telling you we much rather have Chris Jones and Legereus Need because the only reporting we've heard about Legereus Need is they're going to use the tag on him, but they've also said, hey, go find yourself a trade, and if we can't get a long-term deal done, we'll make sure you're happy with your trade partner. That's not really verbiage you use if you're like, we're going to do everything we can to lock him down long-term. I mean, we'll see if they sign Chris Jones. If we have Brett Veach on again, the, the question is just, it's going to be a very simple one. What changed? You guys could not reach a deal at any point last summer. 
I mean, if you pull this thing off right before free agency, I mean, at this point, you are days away from true free agency as a future Hall of Fame defensive lineman, game-changing kind of player. What changed? Did you see something over the course of the year that made you up your offer? Or was Chris willing to take less than he was last year? Because at this point, those are really the only two options that are available. Like, I don't see a third option. Tell me if you see one, Rob. It's one or two. Either Chris Jones is now willing to take less than what the Chiefs offered, or the Chiefs are willing to make a substantial increase on what their final offer was. That is the only thing that gets this done. Because it didn't appear last summer that the two sides were willing to meet in the middle. Chris Jones wanted to make at least $30 million and the Chiefs were pretty hell-bent on, we are not getting you to 30 You might have to get to 30 if you want to get this thing done. If you want to lock Chris Jones in for the next two or three seasons, you are probably going to have to get to the 30 I think the answer, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how Brett Veach will answer that question. I think it's a fair question. I think if they lock up Chris Jones saying what changed is a fair question. But isn't the obvious answer the cap? The cap changed. It took the biggest spike since what, 94? I forget the exact year. It took a massive spike. I imagine Brett Veach and the powers that be, they got the word before us. But when they were negotiating Chris Jones, they didn't anticipate a huge spike in cap space. I think that changed. I think they then had the money to maneuver around. They didn't have to tighten their belt with Chris Jones to make it work. They could maneuver more. I think the answer to that question is simple. More money exists. Yeah, I guess I would say, though, so, I I mean, you could have rolled the dice a little bit that the cap was going to increase. I mean, you, you, you could have done that. You knew the cap was going to go up to some extent. You're telling me that what changed was the only scenario that you guys were planning on keeping Chris Jones was the biggest salary cap increase since the creation of the salary cap? I think the Chiefs always wanted to keep Jones, but were financially handcuffed, and then the cap changed, and that handcuff came off. Yeah, I I, I think you and I just disagree on how handcuffed they really were. I think the Chiefs were negotiating the way the Chiefs negotiate. This is our price, take it or leave it. I think they were negotiating that way. And I'm going to guess that they're probably negotiating the same way this entire time. So it's going to take last year. I think it was pretty well known. The Chiefs don't think Chris Jones is worth $30 million. Now do you think he's worth $30 million? Because that's what the market has just always says that he's worth. Someone says, CDOT, I think the big factor is that one guy says, I'm not going anywhere. The other guy is saying, pay me. I also think there's a massive difference. Chris Jones is coming off a four-year, $80 million contract, and Snead is coming off a four-year, $3.9 million deal. I understand why one player is saying, yo, I want my money. I've never seen real NFL money before, where another player is entering his third contract and he's already made a significant amount of money. I just don't really hold those comments against LeJarrius Sneed. I've kind of heard some people holding that against him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who came from absolute poverty and is days of, like, literally days away from making generational wealth kind of money. I'm not going to fault LeJarrius Sneed for wanting to get paid in free agency. You have earned this by the way you've played on the field over the last couple of seasons. Coming up on the other side, we'll get to the top story of the day. The Chiefs unveil their plan for the Truman Sports Complex. Keep it right here. It's the drive. 
Rob, I want to get your opinion on this before we talk about the top story of the day. It just kind of hit me with Legereus Sneed and his comments. We've obviously talked a lot about Legereus Sneed over the last couple of days because he's been at the center of Chiefs news. The Chiefs have made the decision that that's the player that they are going to franchise tag, and they are entertaining the possibility of trading him. Here is the report from Ian Rappaport. Really interesting situation developing. So here's where it stands. The Chiefs have not officially tagged Legereus Steed yet. They are expected to, but it is unclear as of right now whether or not he is going to be on the team. He does have permission, I'm told, to seek a trade. He does have permission to speak to teams. That a lot of times means either the Chiefs say, go gauge your value, or they say, you know what? Maybe we'll do exactly what we did with Tyreek Hill and say, we love the player, his value is great, we have other great players, maybe trade him, use that money to pay Chris Jones and move on that way. It is a really intriguing way to move forward for the Chiefs. This is what I want to ask you before we talk about Arrowhead, because this has kind of come up over the last couple of days that we've talked about this and we haven't really discussed this side of it. Do you think that the average Chief fan is mad at his comments on what he said on Kay Adams' show? I'm trying to find where I had it saved here in the system to play it for people who may have missed what he had to say. Here it is. I found it. So this was Legereus Sneed. This was from February 16th. So a couple of weeks now. Here is what he had to say on the Kay Adams show. What would you like to say as we wrap the show up here to Brett Veach? And I have a lot of love for your GM and what he's done building this dynasty. What would you like to say? Man, pay me. <laughs> pay me. Pay me. <laughs> That's what I got to say. Pay me. Do you think that the average Chiefs fan is mad at those comments from Legereus Sneed? Because you've seen it on the text line, too. Every time we talk about Sneed, it does kind of come up, hey, I didn't like that he said this, or I don't think that the team, uh, I don't think the team likes that he said that. I just view that as like a real human thing to say. I mean, he is entering free agency. It is now time for him to get a pretty significant raise. This man, Legereus Need, grew up in Minden, Louisiana. It has a, I just looked it up. In 2020, the census, it had a population of less than 12,000 people. Someone from that small of a community grew up to become an NFL player. And not just any old kind of NFL player, like a really good NFL player. And is now days away. Like less than a month away. I don't know who's going to give him a lot of money, but somebody is going to give him a lot of money. So maybe it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe it's the Washington Commanders. Maybe it's the Atlanta Falcons. I have no clue. But somebody is going to give Snead a lot of money. I do understand the sentiment as your contract is ending. Hey, what message do you want to give your boss? Pay me. <laughs> like, that just seems like a very human reaction. I don't hold that against them. Do you think the average fan does? I don't know they're mad, but I do think there is an inkling of disapproval, might be the better term. Because Carrington, the, the Chiefs have created this air about them based on their business that we go out of our way to make sure Patrick Mahomes is taken care of and everyone else's job is to take a team-friendly deal and we never pay above market value and we are always the fiscally responsible team. 
That is what the Chiefs have created as their persona or their air. Like, remember when Chris Jones was holding out? There's a lot of reasons why fans disliked it, but one of the reasons is he was chasing the bag. Patrick Mahomes, the idea is he didn't chase the bag. Travis Kelsey, the idea is he didn't chase the bag. And other players going to Kansas City and taking less than market value, and that's how we do business here. So whenever a player, whether it be free agent or on the roster, says, pay me, pay me, pay me, I think there's a level of disapproval from fans because the thought is, why are you saying that when our quarterback is not making the most quarterback money and he's the best player in the league? But we also know that Mahomes is privately negotiated for himself to get a raise. I'm not saying that Mahomes doesn't deserve a raise. He obviously does. But I I think in some ways Patrick Mahomes gets to kind of be on the both sides of the argument. That he gets to have the best contract in the National Football League. And also, well, you're not the highest paid. Well, what are we talking about? He has by far and away the best guaranteed deal. He is the most marketable player in the league. Like... He has come out and said money is not an issue. It's not something that I think about. I, it, he is in. He's the only NFL player, maybe this side of Deshaun Watson, that can think and operate that way. And he should. He's the best player in the league. But I do think that it is somewhat unfair to hold every other Chiefs player to the standard of Patrick Mahomes, noticing that his position and his skill level is drastically different than everybody else. And also Travis Kelsey, very unique situation. Legereus Need is not Travis Kelsey. He is not doing your direct TV commercial. It, that's not who he is. His best chance in his life to make a significant amount of money is this free agency. I'm not saying he'll be out of the league in his next contract, but he is not going to arguably be the best free agent corner in the market when this deal is up. It's not really how his position works. He'll be 30, 31 years old. The best corner in the league is never 31 years old. This is the goal that you work for if you are a productive NFL player. I have got through my rookie contract. It is now time for me to cash out. Can you imagine being days away from getting $35 million guaranteed? And you grew up in Minden, Louisiana. Can you imagine that? So I just... I guess just as a human, I, I, I can't understand holding those comments against him. We're not talking about a guy that was holding out last year. A guy who showed up every day, played to the highest level, and he is now about to enter free agency. That's the only message that I would have for my boss, too. Hey, I've done the work. Now it's time for you guys to pay me. I've done everything that you have asked me to do. It's now time for me to cash out. I I think it's incredibly unfair if there is anybody holding those comments against Legereus Need. He has completely played out his contract. He is about to hit free agency. They have franchise tagged him. They are letting him openly seek a trade. Like, they gave him permission. Hey, go talk to other teams. All right, cool. If you get a big bag from the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chiefs don't want to match that bag, good luck to you. I, I agree with everything you're saying. But you're asking me to speak for the average Chiefs fan. And I think the average Chiefs fan looks at players like Patrick Mahomes and says he takes less, looks at players like Travis Kelsey and says he takes less. And then Carrington, it's not just those two, it slots down. It, there's a trickle-down effect to it. All the good players in the Chiefs could make more other places, but they don't. They play on the Chiefs. They don't ask for the inordinate inordinate amount of money and every time a player with the Chiefs has asked for more money what has happened with fan sentiment 
it is switched on them. When the Orlando Brown contract leaked out, the Chiefs were willing to give him Trent Williams money. What changed overnight? People went from what a great trade, Brett Veach the wizard, they got a left tackle for a second-round pick. He's a genius. That report comes out, he turns it down. The next day, what was the common sentiment? Orlando Brown Jr. sucks. Why won't he take that deal? Now he's a Bengal, and it's we hate him. He's too expensive. What a bum. Chris Jones last year, he was saying, I want Aaron Donald money. I want Aaron Donald money. He was a fan favorite. Then he started saying that, and the text lines started cooking him, and they started saying he's not Aaron Donald, and people started talking about his run his run PFF grades, like that's a big deal, and they got really mad at him for not going to camp. And then there's still a sentiment on the text line of, I don't want Chris Jones because he valued money over team. So I agree with you. Chase the bag. Everyone's chased the bag. The average lifespan in the NFL of being a player is low, even for the good ones. So get every penny you can possibly earn. I'm for that. But you asked me what the average fan think, and the average fan looks at every player who has asked for more on the Chiefs, and they've turned on that player every single time. I want to play for you guys what Mark Donovan had to say. For those of you who don't know who Mark Donovan is, he is the business voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs had a big press conference today, and, oh, everybody was there, including the Royals. They were there. John Sherman was there. Brooke Sherman was there. Everybody was there. The Chiefs have made the announcement that their plan is to renovate Arrowhead Stadium. They are not planning on building a new stadium. Here is Mark Donovan talking about the decision to renovate the stadium as opposed to building a new one. You know, when you're in those stadiums, and you're talking about, should we build a new stadium? Should we renovate Arrowhead? It's very easy to get jealous. And the jealousy comes from, could we actually do this? Could we do it in a new building? Could we do it at Arrowhead? One of the things that has me most excited about this entire project is that you sit on that field level of Allegiant Stadium and you look at that amazing end zone suite that they have, and you say, wow, too bad we can't do that. We found a way to do that. And not only are we bringing the best of the newest buildings in the NFL, but we're putting it inside the iconic Arrowhead Stadium. So as Clark said, we're keeping the spirit of this building and everything that makes it special, but we're bringing the very best of the best into the building. And that has us excited about what the next chapter will be. That concept itself will add 10 suites on each end zone. It'll also add another 1,000-person club behind each end zone. So the number of people who will be impacted by this is significant. That was Mark Donovan talking about the decision to renovate the new stadium. Here's Mark Donovan also going through some of the other renovations that they have planned at Arrowhead Stadium. So imagine on the E-lot, so the lot that you parked in today, there will be a parking deck over top of that. So those spaces exist. Now a deck on top of that with the existing same number of spaces on top. What we'll do in the bottom deck is we'll have a covered area for our players, coaches, VIPs, visiting team buses, etc. We'll also have the ability to put those same people in, in E-lot on that deck, which they'll be able to tailgate and do everything they normally do, and their entry exit is a lot easier. They'll walk directly into the building. We're excited about that parking lot. We'll also add parking to the other side, obviously, when we move out uh, Kauffman Stadium. So the net net is about 3,000 additional parking spaces, 1,300 in the new ELOT deck, and then 1,700 on the other side. That was Mark Donovan, the business voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, as he discussed 
the renovations to Arrowhead. You guys know what needs to happen. A yes vote on April 2nd. Here's where I stand on what I heard today. And this is someone who is a registered Jackson County voter who plans on voting yes on this thing. I thought today's press conference was fine. They didn't blow me out of the water. They did not excite me today with their announcements. I thought today was pretty standard stuff that happened when you make an announcement for the stadium. And that's perfectly fine. I never expected them to build some kind of entertainment district around Arrowhead. I know that is some people's complaint. I never thought that. They didn't before yesterday. I don't know why people thought today that they were now going to tear down the Denny's and they were going to put hotels and shops and restaurants. I never thought that was going to be part of the plan. I guess where I am disappointed in this is I thought they had more of a wow plan on what they were going to do now that Kauffman Stadium isn't going to be there. All of the stuff they are doing to the structure of Arrowhead are really good, necessary improvements. Now, if you could have any critique about it, I would say a lot of the things that Mark Donovan said will not impact many of you going to the games. The the 10 suites that they have on each side, a majority of you that go to the games are not using these suites. The end zone seats that they're about to have, they're about to take some of your seating away, and they are going to put a pavilion there that... Very wealthy people or you know, well-off people are going to be able to sit at. A lot of the improvements that I heard are for the 1% Arrowhead attender and not the other 99%. Now, they did throw you a couple of bones. If you have seats in the upper level and it's cold outside, they're going to have it heated. They're going to put... Uh, a slight roof over to try to block some of the wind. It's not going to be as open air up there. They're going to add new concession stands, new bathrooms, you know, stuff that you do when you renovate a stadium. I don't have much of an issue. I just thought the plan was going to give you a, wow. I haven't seen one person on the text line today that came away with, boy, I love what their plan is. At least with the Royals, the plan is kind of split. Some of you love the idea of the downtown stadium. Some of you hate the idea of the downtown stadium, but it at least gave you some kind of feeling and emotion. The Chiefs plan is just, it's okay. It's fine. It serves the purpose that I think many people wanted to have, and that's its best quality. They're not moving. They're not moving, and they're not building a stadium. I don't want the Chiefs to have a new stadium. I like that they are keeping the original arrowhead and building on the structure and trying to modernize it and adding different cool, fun things. I just thought they were going to have more of a plan around Arrowhead Stadium now that you have all of this room. The Chiefs are going to have more room as an organization than they've ever had before. This is when they were basically in downtown Kansas City for Old Memorial Stadium. Then when they moved to the Truman Sports Complex and been playing at Arrowhead since 1972, they're going to have more space in 2029 than they have ever had around their stadium. I thought they were just going to do more with that than at least they've told us so far. And maybe they have some additional plans they have not fully fleshed out and they plan on announcing those at a later date. But on day one, when you were trying to make your first impression, when step one is you got to secure the funding to even do your idea, they just didn't come and they didn't really knock my socks off today. They just didn't really wow me. 
This was standard. To use a basketball analogy, this was like an 18-point day. I mean, you know, you'll take an 18-point day, five rebounds. It was okay. It was fine. It wasn't an all-star performance. That can't be your best player, but it was fine. Where are you at, Rob? I think Harold Kuhn said earlier on the show, you can check the podcast page, and he broke it down perfect. It's underwhelming. Like, we got an email Monday. The Chiefs are going to have a press conference to announce the new vision for Arrowhead. I was checking social media. People were tweeting out photos. They were in the Hall of Fame room. The trophies were behind them. This was like, ooh, they're going to do something big here. And what they did was they slapped a coat of paint on Arrowhead, and they said, look, you love Arrowhead? Here's Arrowhead. Oh, what are we going to do with Kaufman if the Royals leave? Uh, We're going to have a giant turf field that you guys can hang out on. And, you know, there'll be some activation zones. Activation zone is very ambiguous language. I have no idea what's going to be in that activation zone. But that's what they're doing. It was wildly underwhelming. But for me, what's frustrating, and admittedly, I'm not a Jackson County voter. I won't have a chance at the polls to talk about this. I don't live in the county. But for me, what's frustrating as a person watching this is that the Royals announcement was big, glitzy, glamorous, and they explained how they are going to use the county's money to help the county by doing things like adding a bridge that connects power and light, and they're going to add hotels, and they're going to do all these things to continue to revitalize and improve the crossroads. The Chiefs' plan is we're taking Jackson County's money and we're making Arrowhead better for us. There was nothing in the Chiefs' plan today that they announced that benefits the county other than just the county has a football team. It just seemed like the Royals were great at this, and they've been bad at PR a lot of times with this. They did a really good job on this one, and the Chiefs were just kind of underwhelming. And I guess another part of this is where I think it is a little bit unfair towards the Royals. And you guys know I have not been a Royals apologist in this. I think the Royals have run a pretty bad campaign for the most part in this is. I have heard a lot of complaints directed towards the Royals. We don't want to help pay for your stadium. You guys are billionaires. You should figure it out. And why do I have to pay for it? That has been an overwhelming sentiment towards the Royals. Today, the owner of the Chiefs said that their idea is a $800 million idea and they are only committing $300 million to the idea. Where do you think the $500 million is coming from? The $500 million is coming from, you guessed it, you. The Chiefs and the Royals are asking for the exact same thing. One organization has committed a far more significant portion than the other. Now, they are asking for very different things, so it is understandable. But a lot of this backlash has been, John Sherman, you pay for it, you pay for it, you pay for it. And for the most part, he has said, okay. Clark Hunt is committing $300 million to his idea. John Sherman is committing $1 billion and agreeing to pay any overages to his idea. I will give John Sherman this. I think he has put his money where his mouth is. Now, I don't think he communicated this very accurately in the very, very beginning. But if the sentiment towards the Royals has been, we don't want to pay for your billion-dollar idea, and the terms of KC tenants has been, this is a playground for the uh, playground for the wealthy and a tax that takes from the poor and gives to the rich, tell me that the Chiefs are not doing exactly that. Their plan was... 
We are going to build new luxury suites, new luxury boxes, and new luxury seats, and we are going to give some heaters to you pores up there, and we are going to make you continue to pay for it. We're going to chip in a little bit, but the bulk of our idea, you guys are going to pay for. The Royals have stood front and center, and they have taken a lot of rocks and a lot of arrows, and the Chiefs have been able to really skate by on this thing. And I get it. The Royals are not good, and the Chiefs are very good. And the Chiefs being good is allowing them to get over on us. Let's be real here with the numbers. Them being really good is allowing them to dip their hand in the cookie jar a whole lot more than the Royals are dipping their hand in it. You said it absolutely perfectly. The -the on-the-field product has created red and gold colored glasses or blue colored glasses. Because you're right, Casey Tennant's quote is, we don't want to pay for John Sherman Stadium. It's a playground for the wealthy. Well, what Clark Hunt today announced, by the way, another billionaire, is that he's renovating Arrowhead to make it cooler for the wealthy people. He announced new suites, new concourses in the suite area, a new VIP parking lot, a new VIP specialty entrance for people who will be in the VIP parking lot. No, 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 not you, Joe and Olathe. You can go out there with the peons and be in red 34. But when Taylor Swift shows up, we got a special road for her now. We're not going to have videos hit the internet of Taylor Swift or the next Taylor Swift super fan in a golf cart driving under our stadium. Yuck. We're going to have a special gateway for her to enter. This is going to be great for us. And I do not see the pushback that I see for the Royals. The Royals are being pelted. Hey, you guys are just taking our money. You're a billionaire. Where's your money? You bum. Clark Hunt is taking your money and making it better for his buddies at games. And everyone's like, yeah, but they went on the field. And when I walk in, flags fly forever. So that's what matters to me. And I don't understand, and I nor do I know if there's a way for that to change. But it definitely felt like... If Chiefs fans aren't going to be like, wait, hold up, that's the plan today, they're never going to be like, wait, hold up. And I, I, at least in this, I get it to a certain extent. And I understand that there is a certain measure of grace that the Chiefs are going to get because they're the best team in the NFL. But I do think we have to at least acknowledge that at the core of this, both teams are asking the voter for the exact same thing. The Chiefs are not asking any more money than the Royals are asking. The Royals are not asking any more money than what the Chiefs are offering. They are both asking the exact same thing. Both of them want you to pay for their idea. And they are going to take that tax money that could go elsewhere, that could go to schools or roads or whatever you think the money should be going to. Both of them are taking the money. So all I'm saying is, and the text line is, hey, the Chiefs are winning. That's the big difference. You are right. But I would just like to note, that in this in this plan, the Royals are committing almost three and a half times more money than the Chiefs are. Almost three and a half times more. I think that John Sherman has shown a measure of good faith. Hey, if you guys want us to remain in Jackson County, we would like for you to extend the sales tax, and we will then cover the rest. We'll do our part. We're asking you to do your part. That's the same thing that Clark Hunt is doing. The same thing. For you to get heaters up in the, in the 300 level. And they're going to enhance your tailgating experience, which I'm not really sure how they could enhance it, but that's what their plan is. They're going to enhance tailgating experience, and they're going to put some 
heated seats up for the people who sit in the 300 level. That is their plan for the everyday common Chiefs attendee. Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined by Jonathan Ketz of Fox 4. We'll get his reaction to what we heard out at Arrowhead today. Keep it right here. So drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Drive with CDOT on 610 Sports Radio. Let's go to the phone lines right now to be joined by a man who might be the best reporter in the city. An overall swell guy. A beacon of hope, an inspiration, a pillar in our community. Jonathan Ketz of Fox 4. John, that was a much better intro than last time. You got to give me that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You owe me, (laughs) C-Dodd. So, John, I I hope that now you and I are even. It's all good. Hey, I did barge in on you one time at Odyssey. (laughs) Right now we're joined by our guy Jonathan Ketz joining us on the show today. All right, John, let's start with this, man. You have been covering this thing from the beginning. You usually, we usually have you on to talk about the Royals side of it. Today we got the Chiefs side of it. What did you make of their press conference today? Um, So I... I mean, I haven't listened to any callers. My story today didn't involve the viewers and their fan reaction, if you will. You know, I think I think people originally think that this renovation project isn't very sexy, if you will. But that's because of the fact that we're not talking about a new stadium for the Chiefs right now. We're talking about a renovation. And to me, the biggest thing that came out of the news or today was the fact that we're going to have what the chiefs call an activation zone where Kauffman stadium currently stands as that building will be demolished. If voters say yes, so the chiefs can utilize more of the Truman sports parking lots over the next 25 to 40 years. I'm with you on I understand the difference between building a new stadium and the renovation and that the Royals, their their chance to wow you was so much greater than what the Chiefs had the ability to. But, I mean, even with the activation zone, I mean, today was the first time that they really had to really sell that idea to the public. And I'm just not hearing anybody. I'm not seeing anybody. We've had a couple of people like yourself that were at the press conference today. No one seems really wowed by this thing. Everything that they proposed for Arrowhead is exactly what I thought you were going to do. You're renovating the stadium. Of course, you're going to change the bathrooms and improve the concession stand and change some things. That is what every team does with a renovation. But they are about to have more space than they've ever had before. I just thought they had a better plan in place to do more with the space than it sounds like they do right now well i so you, you may have been wondering or view, viewers listeners may be wondering why is there an entertainment district not in this plan and mark donovan was very blunt um, i just finished writing up my web story and i mean here's the here's the exact quote he gave when he was asked, why is there no entertainment district and there's just kind of an entertainment space stage that they're calling an activation zone? He goes, quote, right now in this market, this is not a location that is worthy of developing. 
As harsh as that sounds, it's just the reality from a business standpoint. When you look at making a decision like that, you have to look at your competition. And he's talking about the Royals here. The reality is we're going to have some unbelievable competition downtown when the Royals do what they're going to do. So why would we do something that competes with that and tries to compete with that? The other thing that um, is kind of interesting that, that is really not getting talked about right now the, the, the lease that the Chiefs have agreed to, if the voters say yes, the Chiefs are only locked in for 25 more years. And then they have three more five-year extension options that gets them to 40 years, which is the same amount that the Royals have for their downtown ballpark in the crossroads. So they can accept those three five-year extensions. They can you know, decide not to accept those three five-year extensions. So I know this is way down the road, but we, I'm thinking to myself, we may be having another chief stadium discussion in the next 25 years, even if voters say yes in Jackson County to this on April 2nd. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I hear this 25-year plan is, I don't want to say a short-term solution, 25 years is a long time, but I mean, you look at the Royals, I mean, and their plan is going to be to stay in that baseball stadium for the next 40 years or so. I don't think you can say that about the renovations. And then, you know, in 25 years, we're going to have this exact same conversation. Hey, Arrowhead is starting to get old. The only stadium older in the country is going to be like Wrigley, Fenway Park, or Lambeau Field. What do we want to do long term? And that's when I think the Chiefs start to have the conversation more about tearing Arrowhead down and building a new stadium. Yeah, well, it's just like it was, you know, the the last thing that I asked Donovan today, and this was during the kind of the scrum after the the press conference with reporters and all of the, the dignitaries, if you will, that were there. I, I mean, I asked him what happens to the Chiefs if this vote fails on April 2nd, and he was pretty blunt again. He goes, if Jackson County decides not to support the Chiefs going forward, the Chiefs have to look at all their options. It's just the reality. He goes, if we don't have a stadium to play in, we need a stadium to play in, and we need to look at all of our options as if the current stadium that the Chiefs have isn't good enough to snuff if um, if voters don't say yes in this upcoming election. Right now we're talking to Jonathan Ketz of Fox 4, a modern-day inspiration to me and many others in Kansas City. John, that's the thing that I've been kind of, I don't know if confused is the right term, at least on the text line is, I think there's a lot of people that think, hey, if this doesn't pass, the Royals are going to move and then the Chiefs are just going to restart this entire process over. I don't think it's going to go that way. Like, I see a vote on April 2nd on do you want the teams to remain in Jackson County? And if you vote no and you don't care where they go, you are open to the possibility that the that the Chiefs are going to be courted very heavily by Kansas and that the Royals are more than likely going to be playing their games in North Kansas City. Well, I, I, I mean, you know, people have floated around Nashville for the Royals, what have you, but I would be, I would not be surprised if, the Chiefs look around or look across state line um, for their new home if this vote failed. But the other thing that I, I, I think about, too, is with the popularity of the Chiefs being so high right now in our metro, you know, if this fails with both teams on the ballot 
together do the Chiefs in a future year because there are what there's seven years left on the current leases do the Chiefs look at trying to get all three-eighths of a cent um, to themselves if this vote fails because right now the teams would have to split the three-eighths cent so each team gets three-sixteenths you you know that the Chiefs would have a much easier sell getting all that money to themselves because they're so popular while the Royals just tie their worst record in franchise history. John, I'm curious if maybe the Chiefs silently want that to happen. I, that is a, that's a legitimate question. There, there are people that I've talked to um, who know this situation better than you and I, who brought questions into this situation before as to how much the Chiefs actually campaign to get this passed. Um, right now, we know each team has given half a million dollars and they are equal in that. That will be interesting to watch on the campaign side of things because it is public record as to how much money each team spends on this committee that both teams are apparently working on together. Right now, we're talking to Jonathan Ketz for a couple more minutes here. I've been disappointed even by the campaign push. I mean, if you are the Royals, and I think the more, the responsibility of this part is more so on the Royals than the Chiefs because the Royals want this more badly than I think the Chiefs do. If you're John Sherman, the Royals should be out every single day really trying to convince people because we can talk about the kind of vocal minority when it comes to no, but like the, the people that are opposed to this, they seem to be pretty unified on why we vote no and why we think this is bad. You haven't really heard the overwhelming yes reason from the public or really from the team so far? I'm guessing we will start to see more advertisements soon. And for the first time this morning, I think they may have started last night. You know, we finally saw that first commercial from the team outside of the ones that the Royals and Chiefs um, released during the Super Bowl. You finally saw this first commercial telling people to vote yes the campaign will ramp up more and more as we get closer to April. Right now, we're talking to Jonathan Ketz here for a couple of more minutes. John, how worried are you? I guess how optimistic are you about this thing passing? If I had to guess right now, I'm going to guess that the vote is probably 65 yes, 35 no, that I, I, I do feel like this gets passed in Jackson County. You follow this thing very closely. Are you optimistic? Are you hopeful? Are you pessimistic? Where are you out on this thing getting passed? I, if it passes um, Carrington, it's, I don't think it'll pass by that big a margin. I think it would be somewhere in the 50s. You have a lot of people in eastern Jackson County who are upset that the Royals are moving away from the Truman Sports Complex, which is a much more centralized location for a ballpark in the county. And, of course, the county owns these two stadiums, which is why we have to have all these public conversations in the first place. The Chiefs and the Royals can't just do what they want to do. They've got to get public support. And there are a lot uh, uh, there are a lot of people in Eastern Jack who do not want to go further away to a ball game in the western portion of the county in downtown Kansas City. And now you have a lot of crossroads people who are upset that the Royals plan on building their ballpark there as opposed to building the ballpark in the Leveled East Village, which has a lot less businesses and a lot less properties where parking lots currently are. I think if this passes, the Chiefs have to carry the weight of the Royals who have struggled so much in the past couple of years on the field. 
Do you know why this was the announcement? Because you and I have talked a lot over the course of this process, and it has been the East Village, the East Village, the East Village. And then in the last 30 days of this thing, the sentiment really started to change to where they eventually landed on. I mean, that is going to be one of the biggest oppositions is they're trying to build a stadium right on top of a community where there is something less than a mile away where there is no community and more than enough room for a stadium. Why do you think this was the location that they decided on? Because more people are already more people currently live and go to the area closer to power and light. It's um, not as much off the beating path as you will as the East Village is. But I do think Cordish, who owns power and light, had a huge impact on the Royals' decision. They just haven't said it yet, and that is a that's a piece of this story that I think a lot of reporters are interested in that is not being talked about. But the Royals moving to the East Crossroads as opposed to the East Village, you got to think Cordish had a huge um, influence on that decision. That has just not been talked about publicly yet. That is Jonathan Ketz joining us on the show today. He does fantastic work with Fox 4. He is a friend of the show. John, I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks so much. Have a good rest of the day. Absolutely. That's our guy, Jonathan Ketz, joining us on the show today. I mean, it seems very obvious to me. Just based on what John said and based on what Bob said, the people who run Power and Light were very, very opposed to this thing. And maybe, you know, under the table did a lot to try to make sure that whatever plan that the Royals had wasn't going to kill their plan. Because if the Royals had gone with their original plan and built an entertainment district around it, it was going to make their entertainment district null and void. That at least with this plan, it kind of saves the Royals a little bit. They maybe don't have to build as much infrastructure, bars, restaurants, all that kind of stuff, because all of that stuff is already there. And you give a major boost to a portion of the city that could certainly use it during the week. I live in downtown. A Tuesday night at Power and Light is exactly what you think it is. Very empty. It would not be with this current plan. So I would not be surprised if there was a lot of money behind the scenes that was really pushing where the stadium is going to be. The plan the entire time was the East village though. I do think that's part of it. I thought it was very interesting from Jonathan Ketz. He says, if the thing passes, he does not think it will be overwhelming. If, if it is in the fifties, it is very much split. And you and I Rob have sort of operated like it is a vocal minority. When it comes to this thing, that is not a vocal minority. If this thing passes 55 to 45, that minority was, pretty unified in their opposition of where the stadium is going to be. I always felt like there was a vocal minority, but I was probably in your camp where I thought it was the overwhelming vocal minority. But as time has marched on, this thing got more dragged out and more public. I mean, we've been talking about the politics and the maneuverings, all things surrounding this deal way more than either of us thought we would. I think as it became more public, public sentiment began to turn. And I think there is a reason why the Chiefs and Royals as a group decided, let's get this on the ballot in April. They are billion-dollar industries. They are smarter than me. You know what they probably realize? Public sentiment has turned. We can win 53-47 on April 2nd. We might not have that win on November whatever. So the fact that it's going to be tight makes for 
this be way more interesting, but it also means this is going to be chewing your fingernails on decision night in Kansas City. Keep it right here. You listen to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Drive. Now CDOT's got one extra point. A couple of things before we sign off today. So they had another meeting about a 14-team playoff. That is important because they already agreed to a 12-team playoff, and that's not enough. Rob, in this 14-team playoff, three spots would be guaranteed to a Big Ten and SEC team. Two spots guaranteed would be to a Big 12 ACC. One automatic qualifier to a group of five. And then there would be three at-large spots that would probably go to either a Big Ten or SEC team. That's what this is. They want to expand the playoffs to make sure that they can get four Big Ten or SEC teams in the playoff. That's what they're expanding it for. I mean, we are, we are, the ball is starting to move down the hill. We're going to have two conferences eventually. We're going to have the Big Ten SEC. I mean, eventually. I think we're already there. I mean, I mean like. <laughs> I think we're already there today. I mean, like, there's going to be a day where it's like North Carolina takes on Kansas and this SEC tilt. Like, that's that's coming faster than we think. No, it is. Uh, it's certainly coming uh, for that to be the case. Uh, let me tell you guys a very quick story. Uh, you guys might remember we talked about this a while ago. So every year I get Rob a Christmas gift. And this year, what Rob wanted for Christmas was tickets to go see Mariah Carey. You remember back when she was here, she had that Christmas concert. And then Rob was like, thanks, what do you want for Christmas? And I told Rob, I said, you know what? I don't want you to get me anything, but I want you and your fiance to agree that you have to go to one high school basketball game. Rob is going to his high school basketball game today. Rob's excited. He was like, yeah, man, let's find the schedule and we'll do it. We're going to Blue Valley West versus Blue Valley. It's going to be an amazing tilt. What is it? Substate? What do they call this part of, of this the... Is, this is substate. This is substate. Okay, that's what it is. I know what it's in, in the Missouri side. I would have to be sure what it is in the Kansas side. Substate, round one, Blue Valley West against Blue Valley. That's the one, that's the one Rob picked. I gave Rob any Kansas Playoff game today. This is the one he picked. It was between this one or Mill Valley. They play today. Who they play again? They play Blue Valley North. Oh, okay. You went to Northwest. Mm-hmm. They're going to smoke their team in the first round. They play some team they're going to embarrass tonight. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to smoke some team. So you only have to go to one. That's the only one that you have to go to the whole season. Are you excited to go to the game? I am excited to go to the game. I haven't been to a high school game since literally high school. So this will be... Uh, a fun turn of a, a fun turn for me. Do you do you want to sit in the student section? No, I do not. We can sit in the student section if you want. I'm good. Sure, I'm positive because we can if that's what you want to do. I'm I'm good on the student section. Thank Somebody you, said, uh, be sure to bring your eight dollars. I mean, it's 2023, 2024. You know that the, at those Blue Valley schools, oh, they're not taking just cash. I mean, they gonna they got card readers, cash app, Venmo. If you if you got a way to give money, they'll get it. Don't worry. I was gonna say, is it cash only? Is when they cross my mind. No, it's not gonna be cash only. It's gonna be great. I'm excited for you to go. I'm excited for you to see. I mean, this is this is Kansas playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. 
Rob, have you noticed as the Big 12 has gotten more competitive that Kansas, their dominance in the conference doesn't exist anymore? Have you noticed that? I have, but I also reject the notion that the conference that KU dominated because the conference stunk. Just, I have I, always rejected that I'm notion. Just, true, true or false? I'm just true or false. What you're stating is true. What you're insinuating is false. Okay, because I'm just saying is one of the new teams won at Allen Fieldhouse, and one of the other new teams is now going to win the league. So now, just in year one, you guys dominated that league for 16 years. Houston came in day one. This league ain't that hard. It's not that difficult. They're gonna beat. They're gonna beat KU by three games in the league. Are you gonna have the same? KU only has one more win than BYU does in the Big Twelve. Are they even that good? Are we gonna have the same conversation next year when Texas wins the SEC? Oh, the league stunk. We just hyped it up for years. How can Texas win the SEC? And Missouri is going to win the SEC. Like both of them, Good I don't point. know if you know how this works. Both of them, this isn't basketball. Both they can't share the league. Only one team can win the SEC, and that's going to be Missouri. So I don't, I don't know how Texas can win the league. Fun fact before we leave: Kansas has better betting odds to make the college football playoff than Missouri. Yeah, because it's they're in the Big Twelve. There ain't no who, who's the best football team in the Big Twelve. Kansas State. With Avery Johnson, who was completing 51% of his passes last week, <laughs> he can't throw. He can't throw. I'm worried about him winning the league. Maybe in two years. All right. Rob's going to a high school basketball game today. We'll tell you how it goes tomorrow. Keep it right here. It's the drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.